Shabbat Shalom. 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 Good to see everyone here today. Good to see everyone today. We're we're getting just about everyone here. We've got some kind of pressing questions, I think, kind of up front this morning. And um, I want to share with you just one verse before we get going, okay? Which is kind of on my heart this morning, which is Joel 3. But before we do, let's pray for just a moment, and then we'll get started with this. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for today. We give thanks for this place where you have placed us for such a time as this. Thank you for putting a roof over our head, food on the table, blessing us with the fellowship of Ruach HaKodesh and the brothers and sisters all over the world who have joined us today in this fellowship. May your name be glorified in us. May we be a blessing to you. Bahashem. Bahashem. Yahusha. Amen. In the name of our beloved Savior. Amen. Okay. So let me share this, and then we'll go right to some questions. Joel 3, chapter 3, beginning at verse 9. Prepare ye this among the other nations. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause your mighty ones to come down, O Yahweh. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Yahushaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle. For the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of Yahweh is near in the valley of decision. Okay, I'm going to leave that verse right there, and let's take some questions, and then uh, we'll continue on with our study this morning, okay? Okay, James and Maria Isabel, good morning. Shabbat shalom. Good morning. Shabbat shalom. Good to see you guys. Thank good to see you. you too. We got the sefer. Yay. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Um, millennium yes. gathered. It. It's beauty. It. It's a beauty. We got the big print so it's we can gem. read it. Oh, yeah. And it fits in a mylar bag. <laughs> and it fits in a mylar bag so we could take it and not get it wet. Well, there you go. You know, the only thing about the, the big print is that it takes a pallet jack to get it in the house, you know. I know. <laughs> Don't I but know it's it. worth carrying it. If anything, I'm going to carry it's that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hi, Sherry. Yeah, you got the big print too, did you? Outstanding. Okay, so uh, what's going on? Yeah. The, the question I have, we also got the... the uh, Yosef and Anis and Asenath. 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 Yes. Thank Asenath. you. Yes. And there was a question on chapter 19 
where I believe it's um, yeah, when Yosef uh, kissed her and he said, I give you the kiss, three kisses, and I can't say the words, but I wanted to know what those words mean. Kaim Chokohama and Emeth. Emeth, yeah. So Chaim is life, life, Chaim. And then uh, Chokma, Chokma looks like Chokma, Chokma. but it's Chokma, Chokma. And that means wisdom. And Emet means truth. So what he's saying is, I give you three kisses, which is life, wisdom, and truth. That's what he's saying to her. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for this that. Is, now this, really. This little booklet. Oh my goodness. That this is a wow. This is a beauty. You this can make a movie out of this book. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. It could be. It, it's so beautiful. You know, there's things that I love about the book. Um, one of the things I love about it is that she looks on Joseph with disdain. You know, this guy's a rapist, right? Yeah. He's been convicted of rape. He was put in prison for it. Why are you bringing this guy into our house? And when he comes into the house, she is so overwhelmed with the, the Ruach being within him and upon him that right. she just looks and goes, hmm, wow. And so when it comes time to meet him, he touches her and says, hmm, it is not just one touch. He says, it is not proper for me to have anything to do with someone who sacrifices to idols. And she's absolutely shocked that he would know this through one touch. And so that night she goes to bed and she's, and she's praying and she takes all of her idols and throws them out the window. And, you know, you know, some of those idols were gold and silver, right? Maybe jeweled, right. you know, and right. out, the, out the window they go, she throws them all out. And then she's visited by Mashiach, you know, in the night. Yes. And he is accepting oh, wow. her repentance, right? Yes. He's accepting yes. her repentance. And this is why, this is why the story is really uh, is really quite wonderful because in our lives we look at this um, anointing of Joseph, which is quite significant, right? Joseph ends up at the birthright, First Chronicles five one, right? Joseph ends up at the birthright, and uh, when, but you have to ask yourself, well, didn't he marry an Egyptian woman, right? I mean, if you recall, Hagar the woman who gave the first child to Abraham was also an Egyptian woman. Mm -hmm. And here Joseph marries an Egyptian woman and his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are going to be, you know, half Egyptian and half Hebrew, if you will. And uh, so the question becomes, okay, is there an anointing there? And we see in the story of Joseph and Asenath, yeah, there's an anointing. And the anointing came through the anointing came through in this case, yeah. So anyway, but you'll, you'll find that when you look in the book of Enoch, there's a discussion about the Ruach of Elohim. And one of them is, is defined as the Ruach Emetz, or the spirit of truth. You also see it in Isaiah 11.2, where you have the listing of the seven Ruachs of Elohim. You know, you have the, you have the Ruach Yahweh, which if you had this on a menorah, you'd see it clearly that the center, the center branch, the Shamash, is the Ruach Yahweh. And then you have the Ruach Chokmah, the Ruach Da'at, which is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge. And then you have the spirit of counsel, right? Uh, the Ruach Etza, 
and the Ruach Gevara, counsel and strength. And then uh, finally, you have the Ruach Bina of understanding and the Ruach Yira, which we understand as the fear of Yahweh or the reverence of Yahweh. Yes. But what Yira really means is, it means that Yah sees, right? It comes from, it comes from the root ra, which means to see, to see. And so when you have this yira, it's a prefix meaning he sees. So yira is Yah, he sees. The ruach yira is Yahweh, he sees. That's what it means. And that's why this is the 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 nature, if you will, of the root of the fear of Yah. Why do we fear? Because he sees everything. He knows everything and he calls us to a standard. And so I hope, I hope I asked that answer that question for you. Yes, yes you did. You thank, you. thank you very you. much. Thank you. Okay, we've got a couple other quick questions. Uh, Ola Say, you. you bet. Thanks, thank guys. You. Hi, Ola Say. What have you got? What's going on? Good morning, Dr. P. Can you hear me? Good morning. Yeah. Hey, is it Olu Say? How do you, how do you say Olu Say means, uh, yeah, makes everything happen. Olu yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> um, I had a dream uh, two weeks ago. I actually wanted to talk about it last uh, weekend, Shabbat, but I was too shy to speak. And uh, the work has been beating me up since then to share this uh, this dream with you guys. Um, so um, since 2009, I've been having these dreams whereby I saw the like half of the world covered in water and I read my cipher and I said to myself, but most I said it will not destroy the world with water again. So I never paid attention to it until I listened to your show with um, the heart of the tribe. You were talking about um, Russia with the weapon um, they have now, the one that can destroy, uh, that can trigger tsunami. Poseidon, uh, to yeah. yeah, that one. Um, so when you spoke about that, I was like, wow, okay. Uh, but let me just talk about the dream I had first. Um, I, in that dream, I, I was just out there and I saw people breaking into each other's home, beating each other's home, getting whatever they could get. And the people became few and later came the water. The water covered everywhere. The only buildings that were, were not covered were the condos, the high towers ones. And um, I saw people making boats with whatever they could get. And so people were falling into the water, drowning. And uh, it was so terrible to watch. And I woke up, but I never paid attention to it because I thought, okay, maybe it's the enemy playing with me. The world will never be destroyed with the water until I heard what she said on that show. And I was like, oh. And I wanted to talk about it last week, but um, I didn't say anything. And I'm sorry about that. No, but, that's okay. Uh, I'm, glad was... you, I'm glad you raised it because, you know, remember that the, the promise of Yah is the promise that he would never completely destroy the earth with water. Yes. And, and Peter says, I think it's second Peter, he says, look, the first time was with water. The second time will be with fire. Yes. And, but this is the hand of Yah. It's not the hand of men. Men are going to do incredibly nasty and bad things to one another, but this is not necessarily the hand of Yah. And, you know, as much as many of us wait for the return of the Shiak, 
And even in our waiting for the return of Mashiach, we are called to what? Not be troubled by what we see, but to continue to press forward. Just push forward with what you're supposed to do in your duty to present the gospel and to be a light. And this is what is incredibly important, much more than being afraid or running for the hills or any of that, right? Be where Yah has told you to be when he yes, asks sir. you to be there, right? That's the key issue. But I do think your, your dream and your vision, you know, you have to, you got to keep this in mind, will you share? Okay. Yes, sir. If you're having dreams, you're probably old because young people have visions. Old people have dreams, right? That's what the scripture says. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Yes, I'm actually 50 years old, so yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, the, uh, but, but the beauty is it is this. I know yeah. Many people are contacting me now about their dreams and their visions, about what they're seeing, what they've heard. And, okay, we're at a time, and again, Joel talks about this, right? He talks about how there will be, um, it's funny how we're in Joel. No, we're in Joel, but I believe it's in Joel 2 that he talks about, uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was in Joel too. Uh, when we when we see that the the young people will dream, and uh, you know things will change. It's two two twenty eight. Two twenty eight. So here it is. Yeah, my large print. I have a hard drive. I got to turn pages. Some pages. There's only one word per page, right? But two twenty eight reads, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my ruach upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions, right? There it is right there. <laughs> and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, will I pour out my ruach. In other words, it doesn't make any difference what your station is in life. The ruach is going to be poured out upon you. It doesn't make any difference what your station is. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of Yahweh comes. Wow. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of Yahweh shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Yerushalayim shall be deliverance, as Yahweh has said, and in the remnant whom Yahweh shall call. Now, I think when we, when we, that's part of the reason why I wanted to play it as well this morning because you know one of the things i love about that 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 hymn of course is the foundation for it the fellow who wrote it lost his whole family at sea right and uh and he wrote okay well even so it, it is well it is well and you have this idea of this singular note it is well it's just one note right it, it's not moving up and down it's not falling it's not rising it's not panicking it's not going into depression it's just holding the plane as a single note. And that single note does convey to us um, the idea of be still and know that he is Yah, right? And so this in, in our times now, and I didn't talk about it Thursday. I'm going to talk about it next Thursday more about this idea of the war of Gog and Magog and where we are in that war and what's coming on the whole what's coming on the whole earth is enormous tragedy now and we have we have not been able to avoid it as much as we've tried and um you know we in this community have talked about reasonable minds being able to disagree 
But in the world of politics, it doesn't seem that's the case. You, know, you have to agree with the new world order or you're dead. And so now we have a we have very much, and it's very much a spiritual war. And look, the, the great irony is, is that it's like Pat Robertson said, Russia has a hook in its jaw. It was drug into this war, whether it wanted it or not, it has a hook in its jaw. And if you look at the prophecies that are developing in, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, if this is the Gog and Magog army that is forming right now, which it may very well be, uh, what, does, what does the prophecy say in Ezekiel 38? I am against you, O Gog and Magog, right? Yes, I will bring you into the Valley of Yahushaphat. And, you know, so here we see that, that there is, you know, on earth, you know, Romans tells us there are none good, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And to try to say that there is a hero here or a villain there ignores the fact that every human being is a fallen person and that without the grace of Mashiach, we amount to nothing. We're dust in the wind. We're not even dust in the wind. We're just dust that hasn't fallen to the ground yet. And by the blood of Mashiach, the door of heaven is opened by the blood of Mashiach. The tabernacle is made available. The throne room is now open to us. And so, again, we as the remnant are in a situation. Where, I mean, I mean, look, I'll tell you, if war comes to where I am, whatever, I mean, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for my grandchildren. I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to pray for salvation. I'm going to pray for my friends and family. I'm going to help those in front of me who are suffering or who are in need. And that's that. And if I die in a nuclear blast or I die because I starved to death or I die because of this deprivation or that deprivation, whatever, you know, and even, you know, um, even young people, you know, who lose their life, we, um, when we look at young people, sometimes we think, well, the young person has lost their life prematurely. But in Yah's eyes, they have lived their experiences that Yah wanted them to live. And in some cases, he brings young people home who are innocent because he wants that innocence in heaven. You know, and, and, we, and we forget this. I don't know about you guys, but in our fellowship, we've had so many people in our fellowship who have lost children, who have lost spouses, you know, really suffered, really walked through a valley of tragedy. And, you know, in those circumstances, they still, they have open wounds in their heart and they still have questions in their heart about why Yah would do this, why Yah would do that, right? But we do know that Yah's judgment is not something that we can second guess. Who are we to second guess Yah and say, how dare you think that? Or how could you judge this? Or blah, 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 blah. We can't do that. But we do know that this, and I'll just tell you, I mean, I know this I am totally convinced in my heart that we are going into World War III and it's going to be a nuclear confrontation. I mean, I just am completely convinced of this. We have arrived at a point where there's no turning back because there are hooks in the jaw and we're being drug in. And so the question for us now becomes, um, what do we do? 
as believers, right? We're going to see. And so, Oyushea, thank you. Thank you for telling us how to pronounce your name. Yes, and thanks. And thanks for giving us this dream. I think, you know, we do know that, like, I don't know if, you have, if you've ever watched the videos on 311, the earthquake in Japan and the tsunami that hit. That is, those videos are um, terrifying, really, because when, when you look at the when you look at the sea, you're not seeing a big wave coming. You know, like Hawaii Five O, you know, a fifty foot wave coming in with the, with the white cap on top. No, no, you look out there. There's the ocean, looks kind of normal, a little fatter than usual, maybe, and all of a sudden it just keeps rising, and it keeps rising, and it keeps rising, and people are looking at it and they're like. I mean, there's one video I saw where they're on a hill in this Japanese town and they're looking down the hill. And when, you, you're, when you're down four blocks, you see debris and cars and boats and everything else just rushing by. The block up, there's a little bit of water and some stuff is starting to float. And the next block up is dry and the people are casually walking up the hill. And as they're casually walking up the hill, block two becomes debris, boats and cars, you know, rushing by. And then pretty soon it's block three. And now these guys are only 10 feet away from the way, right? Because it came in like this really kind of uh, surreal or surreptitious, you know, encroachment. And we see, I mean, I don't, do I know that the Russian Poseidon weapon works? Don't know. Has it ever been tested? It may have been, that may have been a Poseidon weapon off the coast of Japan. I don't know that either. I don't know. Uh, and will these weapons be used against the United States? Maybe. I don't know. I think there are some things we can see, though. And what we can see is this here in, in Joel, right? In Joel 3, verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of Yahweh is near in the valley of decision. Now, I think where the big deciding thing is going to be, where I think this decision is really going to play out, is going to be in Islam. And in Islam, Islam is going, to is going to have to look at the question because the question is very much before them. Are you going to have a sickle moon on your flag or are you going to have a six colored rainbow on your flag? Now, when you look at what the Pope is doing in Dubai, the Pope says, we're gonna build an ecumenical church of three buildings in Dubai. What they're really doing is invading Dubai with a Catholic church, which would otherwise be prohibited, right? Once we get a Catholic church built there, we don't care if there's a synagogue there and a Muslim mosque. We've got our church there. We're there. We've made a beachhead and Rome begins its encroachment, right? And so these kinds of things are what's happening. And so I think we're going to see this now, but while we're here, what I'd like to do is, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to go to uh, my friend, Taras. Uh, Taras, can you speak with us, Moidrug? Uh, shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Nirvam. Nirvam, Nirvam. Uh, thank you for letting me speak. Um, my brother, and his family now in, in Berlin, and he stayed back uh, to support uh, whatever he can do. He, he is in his 50s, so I don't 
think he will be in the uh, acting military, but he will do whatever he can to... Now, where are you? Uh, I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, so... Okay, I'm all right, in, so you're not, you're not in Mariupol. No, 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 sir, no, sir. The okay. the reason I raised my hand hand I I just want to ask you if you know about the uh, uh, Pergam altar because it's it's uh, pretty much connects Mr. Putin with Hitler because Hitler was uh, very interested in occultic uh, uh, artifacts and he brought that Pergam's altar in Berlin. And when the Russian conquered Berlin, they they took that Pergam altar and they bring it to Moscow. And it was there in like like historical artifact till Mr. Putin came. And I read a long time ago that he spent a lot of time with that uh, artifact. He was almost like sleeping on on top of it. <laughs> so and uh, you remember. Everyone was uh, like surprised of uh, atrocities of Hitler. Why it was that w way? Why it was so much unhuman, uh, uh, like uh, things that they did, and and whole nation was like deceived by that. And everybody was like, and they still don't cannot answer why, why, and. And now we see the same thing, same very thing that happens with the Russian nation. They do the same thing and, and they speak about Mr. Putin that he is out of his mind also. So I wanna ask you, do you know anything about this program altar which Yahusha mentioned in, in uh, uh, Revelation? Yeah, I do, in fact, and we've done an extensive study on that. And let me share a screen here real quick with us all. And we can look real quick like what uh, Wikipedia is, is talking about with the Pergamum altar. So here we see here uh, that the Pergamum altar uh, is a monumental construction built during the reign of Kikumenes II in the first half of the second century BC on one of the terraces of the Acropolis of Pergamum in, ancient, in Asia Minor. Now, if we go into, I might even be able to take this into Google Earth today and show, it, show you of the actual situs of Pergamum because Pergamos is, uh, is discussed, of course, I believe it's in Revelation 2, but it might be Revelation 3. And it has uh, some very poignant prophecy concerning this, uh, let me see if I can find this, uh, Smyrna, not Smyrna. Yeah, here it is, uh, Revelation 2.12. And to the angel of the called out assembly in Pergamos, write, these things says he which has the sharp sword with two edges. I know your works and well you dwell and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is. And you hold fast my name and have not denied my faith, even in the days when Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwells. Now, this is, you know, very important. So you have this idea that in the book of Revelation, Pergamos is, is identified as the place where Satan's seat is and where Satan dwells, okay? 
Now, you can see here in Wikipedia, we've got two pictures here. Let me see if I can blow them up. Here we go. So this is the Pergamum altar. This was originally uh, on the Acropolis in Pergamos in Turkey. Now the modern city of Bergamum sits just below that Acropolis. But if you look carefully at this altar, you can see this statuary, the statuary around here, uh, this statuary here, this depicts the fall of the Titans. And it's the same thing with all the statuary here, the statuary here. All of this depicts the, the fall of the Titans. Uh, up here on this platform here, this is where there used to be a statue of Jupiter, statue of Jupiter. And the statue of Jupiter uh, was replaced in the first century BC by Augustus Caesar, who took the statue to Rome. And he stood up on top of that platform and declared himself to be God of the earth. Right there. Okay. Right here. He declared himself to be God of the earth right there. Now, when he did that, the people who were living in, in ancient Judea refused to confess him as God of the earth. This is when he imposed a tax and said, okay, you don't have to confess me as God of the earth. You can pay a tax instead. Now, what they don't tell you is that each one of these steps going up this altar right here, I can't believe they're letting people walk up it. That's mind-boggling. But each one of these steps has a certain demon associated with it, okay? There's a certain demon associated with each one of these steps in this altar. Now, this altar was used to proclaim uh, Caesar Augustus as God, and then Hitler took it to Berlin. Now, my understanding is, and Wikipedia says, that it is still in Berlin, that it has not been moved to, uh, it has not been moved to uh, the, um, let me see if I can get back here. It has not been moved. It says here that, what's it say? This new museum in Berlin, Italian uh, restorers re reassembled the panels, right? And it was erected in 1901 on Berlin's Museum Island. And uh, the Pergamon Museum proved to be inadequate and structurally unsound. So it was demolished in 1909 with a much larger museum opened in 1930 this new museum is still open to the public on the island. And in addition to that, it was called the Pergamon Museum. And the Pergamon Altar is the most famous item in the Berlin collection of classical antiquities, which is on display at the Pergamon Museum, both of which are in Berlin's Museum Island. In 2014, Pergamon exhibit will be closed for five years for complete remodeling of the exhibit hall. Not, uh, which will include glass ceiling and climate control. Now, what's interesting about the Pergamum altar, now here you can see this is um, the Pergamum Acropolis. Okay, now this is where, you know, Paul visited this place. And this is this uh, is an artist rendering, but you can actually see the Acropolis. And which if I can pull up Google Earth, I'll show you guys. When you see this Pergamum altar, the next time we see this Pergamum altar, Adolf Hitler decides, well, I'm going to build a mock-up of this. And so his architect named Albert Speer constructed what's called the Nuremberg Tribune, which was a gigantic version of this Pergamum altar. And this is where you see all the Nazi troops zigheiling 
you know, in huge displays and him up on some massive podium screaming at everybody. Well, that's the Nuremberg Tribune. And that was a mock-up of the Pergamum altar. And we saw it again in 2008 when Barack Obama accepted the nomination for the presidency. He did so on a mock-up of the Pergamum altar uh, in Denver. So the Pergamum altar remains, Taurus, I think the Pergamum altar remains in Berlin right now. You know, a guy in Berlin just wrote and he said, let me see if I got this right. You guys in the U.S. are telling us to put together an army and then go through Poland and attack Russia. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Can I get that in writing from you? Right? Can I get that in writing? That's what you want us to do, right? I guess they moved uh, the Satan's seat, the exact uh, thing that uh, probably not that large. It's It was like a small, like a chair, maybe size of a chair. Yeah, and, uh, like like a throne seat, some kind of a throne. Right. Yeah. right. The, because the, the statue of Jupiter that was there at Taurus was not on a seat. In fact, the statue of Jupiter that used to stand in the middle of that altar was moved to Rome, and then they called it the statue of Peter. And that's the statue that sits at the Vatican that everybody's rubbed the toe off of. Because they 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 even have a special room. Kremlin, when where it it's uh, actually stays, um, and I, I thank you for answer. I I I know, I, I know more now because of you. Thank you. And that Taras. So, Blagoslavi with the rule. Okay. Blagoslavi what? Blagoslavi te bien. Amen. Okay. All right, so let's go to uh, thank you, Taras. Okay, let's go. To, let's go to Doug. Doug, are you there, my friend? Uh, yes, I am. Um, I was going to actually uh, uh, present this last week, but I wasn't sure how um, talking about the stars and the planets and all of that um, would fit. However, after seeing your uh, YouTube um, video Thursday, I. Uh, I found that um, I had absolutely no concern over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Doug, okay. Yeah, uh, 50 years ago, I was uh, studying astrology in the first temple of astrology in Los Angeles and uh, had a, uh, a Jewish teacher by the name of Ivy Jacobson. She was uh, 90 years old. She has long since passed. And uh, we had many, many conversations, and um, she was very, very knowledgeable in, uh, in Hebrew Jewish astrology. And uh, I learned a tremendous amount that I haven't forgotten, haven't, haven't really used it. But what I was going to, going to tell you what, uh, last week was the, uh, the new moon that uh, happened on Wednesday, the, uh, um, had uh, some extremely unusual features. The new moon was uh, uh, actually happened at uh, uh, 12.34 p.m. Eastern time. So it was just a little bit past noon uh, local time. 
and all 100% of all of the visible planets were above the horizon. So that means that all visible planets, and there's only seven that you can actually see, you know, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn are the only ones you can see, plus the sun and moon. Uh, the interesting thing is that all of those visible planets were conjuncting each other. Uh, Venus and Mars and Pluto were in absolute alignment. They were less than one degree apart. Uh, Mercury and Saturn were less than one degree apart. The sun and moon, of course, at a new moon, they're conjunct, but they were also conjunct with Jupiter. So all planets were in pairs or in triplicates. Uh, the sun and moon and Jupiter in a triplicate and Venus, Mars, and Pluto in a triplicate and then Saturn and Mercury. I'm not going to go was, into this was, this was what day, Taurus? Wednesday, this last Wednesday, when last the new moon Wednesday. actually was. It was on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. the, uh, so um, it was uh, extremely unusual. Of course, you, you couldn't possibly the new moon or the you know because everything was in sunlight you could not see at this time you can't see any of the uh, any of the planets at night except uh, uh, Venus and Mars and Mercury very early in the morning and right. uh, Ju Jupiter not at all of course well you know there's a big discussion about the um you know, the, the first new moon of the year being inordinate and that it has always been inordinate. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, a lot of this stuff is, you know, I'm learning this stuff as we go too. And again, I just want to kind of remind the people in our fellowship here that, you know, Genesis 1.14 tells us that the, the lesser light and the greater light, you know, the greater light, the sun, the lesser light, the moon, and also the stars are to be used for signs, for seasons, for days and for years. And I think if you really get to know, if you get to know the constellations well, not only can you use it for days and years, but it can actually tell you the hour of the night. It can tell you the hour of the night because they move a certain number of degrees uh, each hour. And so by looking at the constellation, if you know the constellation well, you can look at the constellation and tell what hour it is by looking at that. But yeah, these are, you know, it's the, the study of the Maserode, and this is what I was talking with John Reed about. John came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, here he was, he was a sax player playing in the band at a Sukkot thing. And I got to talking with him. The next thing I know, he's teaching in the Maserode. And of course, you know, the E.W. Bullinger, a witness to the stars. And E.W. Bullinger, you know, he's one of my favorite Bible commentators. I had his companion Bible. Uh, and he was the one that said, you know, you guys ought to try reading it, right? He's the one who said that to the British. You guys ought to try reading this. You find out a lot of information you don't already know, right? Um, but in these witnesses to the constellations, the constellations do give us a story. They give us a story and uh, they, uh, they also inform us as to many things. Now, should we be looking at to see whether or not, you know, uh, you're a Scorpio or something like this? That's ridiculous, right? That kind of uh, astrology um, is a misuse and it's a kind of a fabrication, if you will. It's like, you know, people uh, uh, trying to um, 
prophesied personality traits out of scriptures. I mean, there's, you know, scripture is misused and, and the stars are misused and what they are in the heavens and so forth. There is reasons to understand uh, the placement of the constellations and what they speak to us because they tell us the time of year, they tell us the month of year, they tell us our geographic location, and they can even predict the hours of the nights. Now, when you're talking about things like what John talked about, Pluto being in opposition to the U.S., for instance, you know, Pluto was in opposition on July 4th, 1776, which ended the British rule. And then Pluto, Pluto appeared in opposition to the United States on February 22nd this year, which began the war in Europe. And I have to tell you, I've got to tell you guys, I am uh, deeply saddened by the war in Europe. Um, it's like, it's a funny thing, you know, in being a student of World War I and a student of World War II, you ask yourself the question, why did you guys let that happen? You know, when World War I happened, I mean, all these countries lost an entire generation of young men. You know, Britain, France, Germany, Austria, Russia. They lost an entire generation of young men. And not only did they let World War I happen, but as soon as they ended that war, they took a break and rearmed and then went right back at it again, you know? And to this day, you know, if you, if you study history in Europe, they teach World War I much more than they teach World War II, you know? Even though, of course, World War II is a, was a very clear history, but they talk about the Great War, World War I. And now here we are again, you know, same players, um, you know, and it's going to be a, another explosive confrontation between people who have a different mindset about the world, right? They have a different mindset about the world. And I mean, I have to tell you, for me, I'm not Russian Orthodox. And, you know, I think you guys have heard me talk about this before in this community. I have problems with orthodoxy, you know? I have problems with orthodoxy. I mean, you have icon worship that goes on in the Orthodox Church. They don't want to talk about it. You have the lifting up of the idea of, you know, uh, Ishtar Tammuz, right? Which, you know, the mother and the, and the baby. And they're forever kissing those icons. You know, it's like the Catholic Church wants to talk about the ascent of Mary. You know, that's not scriptural. And, uh, you know, so there's things in orthodoxy that, which, uh, you know, and then the question is, does orthodoxy succeed in uh, bringing new life to its followers? No, you have people who are, uh, you know, who, you know, like the Catholic Church selling indulgences. They have similar offsets in the, in the Orthodox Church where you can sin repeatedly and then boom, you know, away you go. Well, what about the, what about the, what about the true walk with Yahusha? What about the true walk with Yahusha? What about the keeping of the commandments? What about all of these things? And all of these traditions walk away from it. But on the other hand, we have the side that is going to be now pulverizing them with nuclear weapons. And this is the new world order. And when we look at the new world order, what are the values of our team, right? What's, what are the values of our team? Well, we wanna raise the rainbow flag over Moscow. They raised the rainbow flag over NATO last month. The, the rainbow flag has been raised over Britain. It's been raised over Canada. They put the White House in a rainbow flag back in 2010. And this rainbow flag has been raised over all the nations. And so when we look at this, 
Now, what has happened as a result? Our friend Klaus Schwab, who is the the, the brain tank, if you will, the brain trust for the new world order. He's made it clear that, well, what we want when we succeed in this war is we want to eliminate the middle class, replace them with robots that don't need to be fed, reduce the population dramatically by several means. One mean is, you know, you can either die from the snake bite, you can die from the, die from the bioweapon we introduce, we can starve you to death or you can die in a war. But we want to get rid of these people who are doing things like driving truck, serving food at a restaurant, working at a gym, the middle class, that they consider to be useless eaters. And so you're going to have really two kinds, two kinds of people. You're going to have people who are in the lower class who are doing things like, you know, picking fruit and, uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have a class of tech workers who are going to be integrated with microchips in their head. And they're going to be, you know, immediately integrated with, you know, search engines and clouds and so forth. So there'll be high tech transformed transhumanist people. And they're going to be doing the work of government and they're going to be doing the work of whatever. And it's going to be a very small group of people, maybe 500 million. And in the middle of that will be absolutely no biblical values. Biblical values will be erased from the face of the earth. And what will be here will not be things that are designed to go forth and multiply. That's going to be gone as, as an equation. You're not going to be asked to go forth and multiply. Um, and uh, marriage and families, that's going to be gone. And of course, what have they said? You will own nothing. You will have no privacy. And you will be happy about that. So it becomes a collective ownership in the hands of the new world order itself with you owning nothing and you will be given what you need. Now, some of you might say, well, that means I'm going to have a nice apartment and food. But if you look at what China has done, China has placed many people in Hong Kong in cages. I mean, they'll take a room that is like, let's call it 10 by 16. And they'll divide that into four cages. So four individual people can live in that room. You have the upper left quarter, you have the lower left quarter, you have the upper right quarter, you have the lower right quarter. And that is your dwelling. And so in the, in the eyes of the state, this is how little you need to live. You need very, very little to live. And so, so we have, we've got large questions we have to ask ourselves as people because I'm no supporter of Islam, as I think you guys know. Islam um, was a corruption. And I, mean, I hope I, I'm not offending any followers of Islam in this group, but I can tell you, you know, I've read the Quran, I've read the Hadith, I've read the Sunnah. And the Quran says right in the middle of it, all the verses of the prophet have been tainted by Satan. I mean, that's what it says. And you can't get around it. That's what Salman Rushdie published. And when he did, the Ayatollah Khomeini put out a hit on him for a million bucks to kill him. Because he said what was actually in the Quran. And when you get to the end of the Quran, you hear Muhammad screaming, get these demons away from me, right? He calls them jinns. 
a, a jinn, a genie, or we would call a genie, a jinn. It's just another name for demons. And he was infested with them at the time of his death. So, you know, so are we going to extol Islamic values? No. Are we going to extol Orthodox values? No. But can we extol new world, new world order values? Can we? Can we lift those up? You know, I just don't think we can. And so as a people, you know, where are we? Where are we? And uh, these are difficult times. And this is why I read this passage out of Joel, right? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Because for each one of us, a decision is going to be before us. And, you know, the, the, the tenor in the United States is to, is to work up war fever, right? I don't know if you guys have seen it, Chris. You probably haven't seen it there in South Africa. But here in the States, we have everybody screaming for the U.S. to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine. A no-fly zone over Ukraine is hot combat between the United States and Russia. That's what it is. Make no mistake about it. It's hot combat between the United States and Russia. And it won't be very long before it goes nuclear. Okay, Doug, did you have anything else you wanted to add, brother? Um, um, no, other than uh, um, it's uh, um, looking, at, looking at the stars is, is, is really helpful. I, I didn't do uh, the standard astrology of, you know, uh, of uh, personalities or anything. My uh, teacher uh, used the astrology to actually uh, study her past ancestry and confirm uh, ancestry. And she taught me how to do that. And I have used it uh, successfully in, in um, uh, doing my own ancestry. And, and I uh, actually uh, calculated the exact time that my son would be born. To the oh, minute. is that right? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, she so, had she had all of her past. Uh, her family came with uh, Columbus to uh, Hispaniola, and that's uh, she traces all her genealogy back to that and all that, and she taught me how how she did that and I could I could see how it this was a time before computers so um, we were really handicapped it's it's like uh, doing code searching without a computer it's you know I can I can uh with uh Isaac Newton <laughs> it's uh it's very very difficult and doing doing that kind of a uh, uh, investigation with astrology without a computer is is difficult. About 10 years later, I, I wrote a program to actually do it. Um, and I, uh, I researched mine and I confirmed my father's uh, birth date, his, his father's birth and time, and all the way back to um, um, actually John Alden and Priscilla Mullins, uh, my ninth great grandmother and grandfather so um well you see doug this just proves there's yet another facet of your personality <laughs> <laughs> yes isn't it 
yeah. I won't, well, I won't get into the math. It's very complicated, but it's uh, it's extremely accurate. Uh, in other words, you can you can tell the actual time of birth within three or four minutes. Wow, you know, incredible, and you know, and again, once again, it gives us an indication that the things that we think uh, are not in the hands of Yah are in fact in the hands of Yah. And that what we see in, in, in throughout all of creation is that, you know, I used to think when I was a kid, you know, I was taught, well, you know, you get into outer space, it's ether and there's, you know, there's, you know, and the stuff is kind of random out there and stuff moves around randomly. Mm. Now I understand that there is not one micron of creation that is out of place. Everything is exactly perfectly balanced once one against the other. It's exact. And, uh, and it's really mind-boggling. And so when you see that kind of exactness, yeah, my guess is that if you, if you improved your math, you, would, you, wouldn't be with, you wouldn't be off by three minutes. You'd be even closer than that. Because right. there is something to be said about this miracle of life, right? When we talked about it before about, you know, uh, Dom, you know, the blood. When we look at the Dom, what do we see? We see the, the gateway, the portal, if you will, to Yah inside the womb. Right, the portal to Yah inside the womb is where is the situs where blood is created, and blood is created with the spark of life when the when the ovum is impregnated. Right, there's a spark of life and blood is created, and it's it's a marvelous miracle, and I think it is reflective. I think Yah knows exactly the moment that that happens, and that He intends it to happen throughout all of creation. Well, anyway, yeah, Doug, thank you for, for giving us that information because uh, it's going to be sorry, an Doc, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Sorry, man. Uh, sorry, I, I just want to back in because uh, Doug's story reminds me very much of what Yosef did to Benjamin. Remember? In uh, the book of Joshua, uh, he puts the, he works out, he says, work out where your brother is. Hold on, Chris, you're breaking and up. And then he bit. says, oh, my brother, you... he works it out. And he says, no, my brother's. Yeah, Chris, I need you to Sorry. repeat that because you're, kind of, you're kind of breaking uh, up. Then he, he's... Chris? Is that better? That's a little bit. Yeah, no, so, so say, say again, what, what, is the, um, what is the story? When uh, Joseph is in Egypt and uh, Benjamin comes and he says, work out who is your brother. And he gives him the maps of the stars and the instruments. And then Benjamin works out that his brother is sitting opposite him on the table. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. Well, again, you know, what you see is you see in the literature when you look closely, you can see that Abraham had an incredible amount of knowledge. And we think that, you know, because of what we're told, well, these guys were running around in the desert, tending sheep and riding camels. And basically what they knew how to do was go to a well and dig it, right? And in fact, they had incredible amounts of knowledge. In fact, there's a fantastic book. Get the name of now. I don't even know if I have it in my collection anymore because so many of my books got tossed, but it was a book about uh, Stonehenge. 
And a lot of people think Stonehenge is there to predict the vernal equinox or something. Absolutely not. It, it does not predict the vernal equinox. But what this author did was he went around Stonehenge and he mapped it out by putting uh, basically strings around the outside of the rocks and the inside of the rocks, the inner circle, so on and so forth. And then he did mathematical equations to determine that Stonehenge predicts the location of the planets, the seven planets, actually 10 planets, which at the, you know, we didn't know about Pluto until the 20th century, but it discusses the 10 planets, including the one that is an asteroid belt now, and their location to within three decimal points. So you have this rock, this stone configuration that was put up in the hills of Britain that was there to tell the world immediately after the flood, after the antediluvian period, this is the knowledge that we had before the flood. We could predict the location of these planets to within three decimal points of their actual location. And more than that, when he looked at, the, at Stonehenge, he was able to determine the algorithm that goes to the planets. In other words, and this guy was an atheist until he discovered this. And he looked at this and he went, what are you trying to tell me that all 10 planets are algorithmically perfect in relationship to the sun and that this algorithm is expressed within three decimal points of accuracy in this Stonehenge? He was absolutely fried when he discovered it. And so he sets forth the algorithm, right? And so when, when, and when I read that, I was absolutely shocked because, you know, we're told, well, these kind of, this one goes here and that one goes here and this one goes here. And it's like random, but it's not. It's exact. It is exact. And uh, so, yeah, so you can imagine that if Joe, if, that at the time of Joseph, at the time of the, the tribes of Israel, they had reckoning in the heavens. Because remember, there's no computers. There's no calendars, right? There's no written calendar. There's no computer. You're, you have to reckon by nature what is going on. You have to look and see. And so it was done through observation. And through observation, they were able to calculate all kinds. So this is why you remember, you remember the Magi, right? We all know the story of the Magi in the Gospels. They show up, you know, at Herod's place. Hey, we looked at the stars and we know for a fact that the true king has been born in Bethlehem. We know it for a fact. How'd you know it? By looking at the stars. What? Right? Now, Doug could probably tell us exactly that illustration and how that happened. But we're told, oh, they saw the star of Bethlehem. But you might, you could call it the star of Bethlehem, but they probably had a reading that was exact, such that Benjamin could tell Joseph was his brother. And the Magi could also tell that this king had been born, that the king at exactly what date, what time, what place they could tell by reckoning in the constellations. Now, remember, you know, we're, you know when, if you study astrology, they're telling you oh, there's 12 constellations. No, there's 80. There's 80 that we have identified that we can see. And those 80 vary, like where you are, Chris, you know, you get the Southern sky, right? So you get the Southern cross, I think is one of the big constellations you see in the sky. We never see that here, ever. You know, Where I am, we see, you know, Ursa Major, right? The, the Big Dipper, the Big Bear. And, uh, and we see that, we see that 24 seven. It's always in the sky, it never goes down. 
as compared to Virgo, which goes up and down beneath the equator, right? And so, but these things are, these constellations do give us reckoning. And if we get to know them and we, and we can observe them, we can observe their pattern in the sky, particularly when you have constellations that don't set or rise. You can see the pattern in the sky. When you get to, when you get to know that, you can tell what time it is at night. You can tell, you can tell the hour of the night. So anyway, we're going to get more and more into that, I suppose, not necessarily in this group, but it's going to be taught over at Sefer Academy. We've got an introductory class coming on in the end of March, and then we're going to get into this, you know, more detailed about reading constellations and understanding moon cycles and the sun cycle and so forth. And hopefully it's going to give us the ability, and this is one of the big things, you know, when we talk about the calendar, we want to be able to have the ability to reckon via the signs in the heavens, because when we lose the internet, which is coming quickly, you know, they may try to claim, well, we, we, we suffered a cyber attack. And if we do lose the internet, brothers and sisters, just remember, I know you guys, and I'm going to be continuing to pray for you each individually. Even if I never see you again, I will be praying for you individually every day. Okay. I will be praying for you all. I will not, you, I will never lose you from my heart. It just won't happen. And, but if this were to happen, if we lose all this, if we lose this whole digital world, it's all gone. You have to be able to reckon. You need to be able to reckon the times, the seasons, the days, the years. You need to be able to do it without somebody sending you this year's ESPN calendar, right? You got to be able to reckon it on your own accord. And, and this is, these are the kinds of tools that we're trying to develop through Suffer Academy is so that you, you've got a handle on these things where you can go, mm, boom, I know. And this, this uh, what Doug has testified to today is very interesting about this particular new moon this year and about what it represents. And again, you know, we see something, John and I talked about it on Thursday. We talked about this eclipse, right? We had an eclipse in August of 2017. And that was the eclipse that came over the United States. The sun came up in eclipse and set in eclipse as it left the continent. And it crossed all seven cities in the United States named Salem. And it touched no other country. It was an eclipse only over the United States. Now there's gonna be another eclipse as John pointed out in December of 2023, which is going to go over the four corners of the United States. And this is going to create this, you know, when this last eclipse happens in April of 2024, which by the way, will be 42 months after March 13th, 2020. And I'll just share this with you. You know, we had a sign in the heavens, the Revelation 12 sign. <laughs> we had this Revelation 12 sign on September 23rd, 2017. It's the sign of a male child being born in Virgo. And the dragon was at her feet, Draco, and Michael was making war with the dragon, and there were 12 stars in her hair from Leo. And so all of the Revelation 12 sign was seen for the first time in history had been seen in that configuration. Well, the Torah says that a male child is presented on the eighth day. And so the eighth day would have been October 1st. Well, October 1st was in this, on 2017, was Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. And there was a blood sacrifice ritual that day in Las Vegas when allegedly 55 people 
were shot in Vegas. And that day marked the beginning of the account of 1260 days. From October 1st, 2017, you go 1260 days exactly. It takes you to Friday the 13th, March 13th, 2020, when the WHO announced a worldwide pandemic. Now, according to scripture, this was a war in heavens that had been going on between Satan and, and Michael. But Satan was cast to the earth thereafter. And so Satan has been on earth as an adversary to the believers, making war with those who have the testimony of Mashiach and who keep his commandments. And this war will go on for time, times, and a half a time, or 1260 days, because the time being 360 days, prophetic year, you multiply that times 3.5. That's 1,260 days, and it takes us up to April of 2024 when we're going to see uh, this other eclipse. Now, this other eclipse, when this other eclipse comes through, it will come through Mexico and go up through the United States and through Canada, creating literally an alaftav over the United States. And this alaftav means we're going to be presented with um, the end of reckoning for the United States in the hands of Yah. It will be complete by then. It will be done. And so th that's why these signs in heavens do become kind of um, indicative of things that the believers can know. Because we're called under Genesis 1.14 to use the sun, the moon, and the stars for signs. For signs. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you, Doug. Thanks for bringing it up, brother. You're welcome. Okay. All right, Lynn, how are you? I'm good. I have uh, three rare coins that my wife Cindy left me, and I didn't know she had these coins until after she went home. Two are French coins, Charles the Sixth and Seventh, and this other one here, Rob's was yeah, I was been talking to Rob telling us to legal right there and attack me. I didn't even think about this. The other one is the Persian Empire King. Dad's first. Now here's a picture. I don't know if you can see it or not. Lift it up and a little higher. A little higher, Lynn. Lift it up. Yeah. And, and okay. There you go. A little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And I'll show you the, the other images of the other two. Uh, that's off the French coin. Okay. And the back side. Let's see. One point. Got kind of a cross or something on it. I'm hoping I can uh, sell these coins, you know, and can you get rid of the legal right there because I didn't know Cindy had these coins. And this here could be worth quite a bit of money. I'm not sure, but. Uh, you should have them appraised if you can. Have them appraised first before you sell them so you know. Okay. Who would you have appraised from? Huh? You know, it's kind of hard know. thing. Where, where are you? I'm in uh, New England, North Dakota. And. There's the only town around here is about 30 miles Dickinson. And the other one close is Bismarck. And it's kind of hard. And I can't get around, move around. Man, you so got a long know. hitchhike ahead of you. You got, you yeah. got yeah. Yeah. I'm not I, sure. I tried I mean, to sell these corners. In a, in a, in a, well, wait a minute. Hold on just a second, man. You might be able to get an appraisal um, online. You know, you might be able to show the images. To okay, maybe, like, you know, uh, go to the site, see if they'll, they'll buy it and see what they'll give it for me. No, you need, to, you need to get somebody who does appraisals and ancient artifacts before you go selling it. 
Okay, do yourself a favor. Can I so butt in? Sure, Catherine. What Can do you I have? butt in? You must never go to a pawn shop. Yeah, they wouldn't give me money out of it. Yeah, no, you need to go to a specialist. The legal yeah. rights of them can tack me over. That's that's a concern. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Lynn, I think you can do it online if you look for it. You know, just carefully look and find an appraiser. Oh, you can appraise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, everybody and, pray for me for those things. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You bet. You bet. There is. Brother, Brother Pete? Yeah. Hey, Rob. See, it goes hey. up and down. Okay. Hold down on. Just Somebody's got their mic on. I got her. There you go. Um, the one coin that uh, uh, Yahuwah brought to me was, uh, it's it's a Darius coin, uh, I, I, whatever you call it, um, and you showed uh, showed me that there was a legal right, because Lynn has been dealing with some demonic attacks, and it was coming through that. Um, that coming was through the coins? Right, the coin. It was, it's a Darius, uh, the coin is from the time of Darius. Yeah, no, if that's the case, if that Persian coin you're talking about that Lynn has. Yeah, if that's the case, Rob, you know, and this is something that we have to keep in mind. Remember that coins in particular are graven images. Exactly what he said. Yeah. And exactly. the scripture says no graven images. And, you know, and here you have the, you have a graven image in a coin. Right. That's a graven image. And so, you know, yeah, you would do you would do very well, Lynn, to. Get those appraised and get them sold. I have uh, some, uh, I had a bunch of silver that I sold that Cindy, Cindy left me, but I have some silver dimes left. They got images in too. I need to get rid of those too. Sell those? Well, you know, I mean, look, you know, I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor. Yeah, All I, I can tell you is, is that the way, the way times are right now. Um, I'm thinking spiritually, so I don't get any tax. Yeah, spiritually. I mean, you know, if you, if you got an old silver dime, I'll bet you. That on the back of that dime is a fascist. Yeah. Yeah, a fascist. I got some United, one. United States issuing currencies that have fascists on them. What's that tell you? Okay, then I'm going to run. Thank you, brother. Get it, get an expert, get it, uh, get an expert and get it appraised and get them gone. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lynn. Let's go to, let's go to Randall. Randall, long time no here, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, Dr. P. You doing all right? Yeah, can you crank on your video if you'd like? I mean, you don't have to, but if you want to. <laughs> don't be scared. Okay, all right. Okay, I'll, that's kind of scary. Wait a minute, better, you better shut yeah. that video down. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. Check, check out the, the facial cloth here. Yeah, you're getting there, man. It's Yeah. Um, uh, I had a couple things. Um. One, just uh, this is not a question or anything. I, I was, are you familiar with a YouTube channel called Truth Unedited? Um, I think I may have seen some videos from them. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was watching one yesterday, and uh, I've kind of watched a lot of his stuff from, from the years past. And, um, you know, he was, uh, this is not about the name or anything, but. He was using Yeshua and Yahweh, but then all of a sudden he changed to Yahushua and Yahuwah. So I was like, well, that's that's pretty cool. But then I watched this, this video yesterday and he was talking about different versions of the Bible that have been basically whitewashed, dumbed down, uh, neutered. And he went through a whole bunch of these different versions out there. But the, the two versions that he recommended as actual 
you know, good versions was the Hallelujah Scriptures and the Sefer. Those well, were the only two that he praised as as good good versions to to read. Well, that's I great to hear. You, I thought you should know that. I, I think I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there um, are some. I mean, you know, I'll just let me just drop this, Randall, because I think with, with people, I mean, you know, sometimes we want to get loyal to a football team, you know, so we put on their colors, go, you know, and there's a lot of good scriptures out there, and there's lots of scriptures that have problems. There's others that are just like horrible, that are just like disasters, you know, and you shouldn't have them. But, but you know, I mean, I have, I've got some old books that are just like rotten versions of scripture. I, I don't burn them, that's for sure, and um, you know. Uh, and, and the thing is, is like, for instance, you know, if you look behind me here, I mean, you'll see, right? I mean, I, you know, there's the KJVAB, there's the 1560 Geneva, there's the Coverdale, there's the Bollinger. And, you know, so I have I have a number of different uh, Bibles that are worthy of reading. They're not unworthy uh, uh, scriptures, you know. The Hallelujah Scriptures, I think, does a good job. We vary in philosophy because we print the highest quality book we can print. That's why it's Smythe's own binding, you know, and by the way, the cover does not have any pork in it. And if somebody came out and said, if you, if you say it's a leather cover, it's probably pork. We actually did the research and went to our, went to our manufacturer and said, what is this made of? And it's genuine cowhide. There's no pork in the cover. The, the cover on the Millennium, like if you get the large print Millennium or you get the collector's edition, this is not leather. This is a vinyl this is a vinyl cover. So if you're adverse to leather, you don't have to get the leather cover. You can get the vinyl cover. And uh, so, but if there's no pork involved, but at any, but whether you're getting the millennium edition or you're getting the, uh, the, the regular millennium edition, large print or not, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the binding, you'll see here that this is all Smythe sewn. It's a Smythe sewn binding. Which means what? That if you're reading, because one of the things, one of the problems we ran into early on is that when you look at a perfect bound book, let me give you an example of a perfect bound. Here, this is a perfect bound here. Okay. Now, if you look closely at that seam, you can see that the pages are just glued. Okay. They take the paper and they dip the edge of it in glue, and then they they wrap the cover around it, and they and it's glued. That's it. Well, that's fine if you're dealing with a book that, you, you know, like if you buy a paperback and you want to read a great fiction book uh, or, you know, something like this, you're going to read it once or twice, maybe even five times. And then it goes on the shelf and that's that. That's fine. That kind of binding is no problem. When you're talking about a book that's going to be open all the time and it's going to be read all the time, you need to have something that's not going to fall apart, in, in our opinion. So this is why when we initially published, we went with really heavy paper and we went with, you know, a heavy sewn binding and, you know, bound to nylon and so on and so forth with the idea of putting an enduring book in your hands. So that's the difference in philosophy. And of course, the difference in philosophy also amounts to a difference, a difference in price, right? There is a difference in price between us and the Hallelujah Scriptures. But, you know, uh, James Trim's book work on the scriptures that he did. It's also a pretty good book. The CJB is, is pretty accurate. It's produced, but it's a pretty good book. You know, there's a, there's a couple of other texts out there that are that are pretty good. But I appreciate the recommendation. I'm glad that that you say truth unedited. They gave yeah, he um, he's put out some some pretty good content, and it's um, 
it's surface um, knowledge. Um, uh, he doesn't really go into a lot of depth with things, but it's like surface knowledge. Um, uh, well, somebody here recommended earlier today when we're talking about other videos, somebody recommended that Mike from around the world was apparently on Paul Begley giving a discourse on Ezekiel 38, which, of course, by the way, any prophecy on Ezekiel 30 right, 38 right now is completely destroying the psychology of uh, the secular world. They're just their brains are frying. And they're calling for Christians to be put in prison, you know. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But anyway, Randall, have you got a question there, brother? Yes, yes, sir. Um, um actually I got two, but they're brief. Um the um you I heard the the, the couple earlier talking about the, the book of Joseph and Asenoth. Yeah. Was not was not Asenoth the child of Dina, his sister? The child, uh, uh, well, this is one of the big discussions, right? And yeah. some people say, okay, well, no, she wasn't, uh, that she wasn't the daughter of Dina. And in fact, there are many commentators on the actual book, Joseph and Asenoth, who say that the book put that question to bed and said, no, she was not the sister. Uh, she was not the daughter of Dina, right? She was not the daughter of Dina. Uh, she, yeah, she was not the daughter of Dina. And... Um, but, I mean, even if she were the daughter of Dina, you have to remember that Joseph was the child of Rachel. Dina was the daughter of Leah. Yeah. So, technically, she would, and, she, and Dina would have been his, quote-unquote, half-sister, if you will. And then this would have been his uh, niece, right? And if you go back and you look, you look at the patriarchs, I mean, they were all marrying half-sisters or nieces, Right, oh, yeah. all of them. first cousins, right? I mean, that's what was going on from Adam right on up through uh, Yaakov. Well, I, I tend to, I would tend to believe, you know, like I said, there's, there's, there's many things out there, um, that, you know, on both sides. But I, I, it seems to me that Yah doesn't like when we mix Mary with pagan things. So, well, that's what Ezra has to say about it, that you're not supposed to mix Mary. But I can tell you that, you know, uh, the business of keeping, you know, tribal purity, if you will, um, those days are about done, right? I mean, if you put, if you put a, a dog pound full of mutts together, the only dogs coming out of that dog pound are going to be mutts. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, how many of, how many of us are not mutts? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's any of us that can say we're definitely not mutts. And uh, so, you know, so the thing is, over the years of the lineage, you have to remember that the gospel straightens all of that out. And, you know, by your confession of faith, you are a Yashareli indeed. That's how you become Yasharel. It doesn't make any difference what your blood lineage is. It's by who you are and your confession of faith that defines who you are, not you know, I had a guy, man, my last video, he made a comment on every single comment. You know, it was it was black Hebrew Israeli and was like, you guys are all goyim and you're all going to burn. And he made this statement 50 times on the on the channel. You know, I mean, it's just like, come on, man, you want to make a point? Run your own video, but don't come out here bombarding me with, the, you know, some kind of carpet bomb of comments, you know. Anyway, okay, and then you had one more question, Rana, which was it? Um, 
Yeah, um, and I believe this is in Hebrews, um, and you 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 just said something about this a few minutes ago. Um, I know that it, doesn't Satan get cast out after the man of sin is revealed? Yes. No. So cast out after the man of sin is revealed? No. No. Right. No. 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 no, 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 no. The man of sin is revealed. You're talking about Second Thessalonians two. That's not out of Hebrews. Second Thessalonians two. Now it's the Hebrews. The man of lawlessness is revealed. Uh, after the apostasy, after the apostasy, after the great falling away. Now we're seeing, the, I, I think we're seeing the great falling away right now because now what you have going on with the war is you have the propaganda media is demanding absolute allegiance to the progressive world. Yeah. You have to be absolutely in conformity with LGBT rights, with transgendered bathrooms, you know, you have to be in complete conformity that says this is our values or you're a traitor. Or you're a traitor. And so now this is no longer this is, you know, this is one of those things that's so dangerous about the way the political world has gone, because we've now had this this group capture the, 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 the threshold of power and they're demanding allegiance to this. OK, you will be allegiant to this period or you're a traitor. And, you know, I heard this comment. I was going to play the video for us today. I heard this commentator today. He was like calling Christians nut bars, terrorists, worse than Islamic extremists because they want the whole world to die so their Messiah can come back. And just going, you know, and that some of these Christians claim they're going to get hoovered up out of here, you know, in this rapture. And he, he used the phrase hoovered, hoovered out of here, you know. And, I mean, it was uh, degrading. It was defamatory and it was denouncing. And I mean, he was just going on and on and on and on and on about the people of faith and what, how dangerous they were, what kind of nut jobs they were, all psychos sitting in their basement. And that because we refuse to embrace the pedophile community, pedophile leadership, the, you know, I mean, you guys have seen the pictures of Klaus Schwab on the beach, right? I've seen a lot of his clips. He's, <laughs> Rob's, Rob's seen it. Basically, just spells it out. This is what we're doing, like it or not. And, and, and it's not like it or not. It's you will like it, and you will say so with your mouth, or you're a traitor, right? And so uh, this this is where we have arrived, you know. And uh, so when you're talking about is that apostasy? That's my question. You know, apostasy is what apostasy literally means divorce. You have been divorced from Yah. Right. And so there will be this great divorce that takes place as people are divorced from Yah. Then the man of sin, what that means, well, he'll, he'll, he'll be birthed. He'll be, uh, we'll, we'll find him on earth. He'll be crowned. No, nope. That's not what it says. It says the man of lawlessness, right? The yeah. man of sin and the son of perdition will be revealed. He will be revealed. Not that he'll be born, not that he'll be crowned. No, he will be revealed. And this is, and, and, and this may not be, you know, I mean, you, again, you have the direct object, right? It doesn't say a man of lawlessness. The. It says the man of lawlessness. That's a direct object. And so if he's, if he's going to be the man of lawlessness, it's going to be revealed, the singular individual, uh, you know, he's bringing the whole world to damnation. So have we achieved the apostasy? We have. 
Are we going to see the man of lawlessness rise up? I think we're going to. I think you're going yeah, to see. Yeah, probably 2024. Yeah, I, no, I think it's before that. I think you're going to see a singular world, re- world leader who's going to rise up to lead the alliance, the alliance of Europe the, with the United States and, and the, you know, the new world order. This alliance is going to form and it's going to form under a singular leader. We don't know who he is yet, but he's going to arise. I think we're on, I think he, we're, we're just days away from him being revealed. Hmm. From him being revealed. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, I'll just tell you something else too. And I agree with Pat Robertson in this respect. We are days away from seeing this decision that's made in the Valley of Decision by Islam. And I think what you're going to see, there's a couple of things that indicate this. One, Turkey under Erdogan, uh, first, he bought Russian missile systems. He bought S-500 missile systems. And when he did, the U.S. was really ticked. It was like, you need to buy Patriots. And he said, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to buy S-500s. So he bought S-500s. Well, that made the U.S. really angry. When we got angry at the U.S., Erdogan came back and said, well, I'm going to nationalize all of the American military hardware in Incirclik, which is the biggest air base in Turkey right next to Syria. He nationalized all that, including all the F-22s. Remember that Turkey is the single largest army in NATO. But Turkey has had an application to join the EU for 22 years that's been dismissed. But Ukraine, Georgia... You guys are in like that. Turkey? No. And so with this being said, now what? Now we have this little issue of the United States and Britain were going to steam three carrier battle groups into the Black Sea to threaten Russia. And Turkey came out and said, well, this is a conflict and under international law, we're going to invoke the Montro Agreement, which closes down the Black Sea entirely. So Turkey will not allow U.S. fleets or British fleets or French fleets to enter into the Black Sea. Yesterday, Russia thanked them for that. So now the question is this. This is the Valley of Decision, right? Multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision. The decision is going to be what Turkey does. Will Turkey join the NATO alliance to impose a no-fly zone over Russia? Or will it join Russia in alliance? Now, you can just imagine if the single largest NATO military joins Russia in alliance, that's going to change the shape of the whole cartoon. And when it does, guess what you find? Like I showed them in the Gog and Magog presentation on Thursday night. In Turkey... We find Meshek, Tubal, Dogarma, Gomer. The Ezekiel 38 prophecy says Gog and Magog, and you know, chief prince of Meshek, Tubal, right? So we begin to see that this confederacy, and by the way, when you talk about that confederacy, remember that the Turkish language is spoken not only in Turkey, but it's spoken in Turkmenistan, it's spoken in Afghanistan, and is even spoken in Pakistan. So if Turkey were to join this coalition, you see this whole broad base across across 
southern uh, southwestern Asia coming into this fold with Russia as a singular entity. So now we're going to be talking about a much more formidable circumstance than what we saw before. And you begin to see this concept of, shall we go into the Holy Land? Right? Because Saudi Arabia, Didan, and Sheba, they say, are you thinking about that? Right? That's what Ezekiel said. Are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about going in there? Well, we know Russia has already got a massive presence in Syria, and they're already aligned with Persia, Iran. That is also in Ezekiel 38, Libya and Persia with them. Well, Libya is, you know, now an ally of Russia because Russia's rebuilding it. And you can rest assured that Iran is an ally of Russia. So here we are. And these guys are saying, hmm. And Saudi Arabia is going to say, are you guys really seriously thinking about going into, you know, going into the Holy Land? That's going to be the question. So all of this is before us. So what we're seeing right now is this, multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision. That's where we are. Right. Okay, thanks, Randall. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for increasing my blood pressure. What are you trying to do here, brother? <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll cause my, my beard to grow out, get a little more fluffy like yours there. We'll see. <laughs> okay, take care. Okay, Lisa, how are you? We can almost hear you. Yeah, just hit your, there you go. My space bar wasn't working, so I had to do the button. Um, first of all, thank you so much for the Zoom meeting. This has been such a blessing to me. Um, I'm in the Dallas area, and um, the only Shabbat group that is close to me that there's some messianic and they kind of do Talmudic stuff that I was just like, no, it's about an hour away because Dallas is a pretty good size. But anyway, I just really appreciate this. I have a question about Pesach. Um, well, actually about Feast of Matzah. Um, Hametz, what is that? Is it just unleavened bread or is it any leavening agent? Because um, I noticed that in Leviticus and Numbers, they just say, you know, eat matzah. And then you have in Deuteronomy, don't let there any be any hamets in your house or around you. And so uh, last year was my first uh, Pesach and uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. And <laughs> I did. I mean, I got rid of all the yeast, the baking soda, the eggs, anything that leavened. And it was a lot. It was hundreds of dollars worth of groceries, even like shampoos and stuff. I know, isn't that ridiculous? But anyway. <laughs> Well, you know, some people, when they say, get that stuff out of your house, they take it and they put it out in their tool shed for a week. You know? <laughs> well, what was funny is, is when it got to be so big, I, my mom doesn't, she's, she's a Christian and I, they're close, they're getting there. But anyway, and so I was like, how are you going to put this in your barn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's like, put it sure. in your house, not my house. Yeah. Right? yeah so, I mean, when, is, you know, when you talk about, when you talk, I know, I mean, look, this is the kind of thing that you, you run into this in rabbinical circles, right? Yeah. Because, you know, when you have you have a teaching, you know, thou shalt do no servile work on the Shabbat, right? And then well, everything you, is servile. <laughs> and then, then, then if you get a bunch of rabbis together and they start hammering that out, pretty soon, you know, thou shalt not inhale. You know, put yourself <laughs> into a coma on Friday night so that you don't, you know, don't lift a finger. Don't make the bed. Don't get dressed. That's servile work. You know, none, nothing, 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 you know. This is why Mashiach had to come and say to these guys, "Hey, you Dr. Guys P, but like you can off. have a Shabbos. You can have a Shabbos goy. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? 
Uh, <laughs> Chavez Goy is someone that, that they hire at an elevator for Shabbat so that they don't have to press the button on the elevator or somebody that opens the car. See, or, that gets me because aren't aren't you causing someone else to work? Isn't that worse exactly. than not it, it, working? It, it's man-made traditions. It's it's rabbinical taking it to, okay, let's not breathe, which is what Dr. P is saying, because that's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there you but go. they can breathe. They can breathe, but we can't. Yeah, right. I mean, there you, <laughs> there you go, Randy. So Randy's making a point here, Lisa, and it's a very good point, which is that Mashiach had to come in and clarify this to say, look, you guys are off the deep end with your no Sabbath day walk and you can't do this. And one of the Talmud commands is you cannot spit into mud, in, into dust and make mud on the Shabbat. That's forbidden by the Talmud. So what does Mashiach do? He spits into his hand, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes, heals his eyes, and then says, by the way, go down to the synagogue, which is farther than a Sabbath day walk and go tell them what happened. And then come back and tell me and do another walk that's beyond a Sabbath day walk and come back and tell me what happened. And he goes down a dozen. They're like, what? You know, he, spit, <laughs> he made mud with his head. He violated the Talmud, right? But he makes it very clear. The Shabbat was made for man, not man for the Shabbat. So truly, I mean, we're called, you know, here's the thing about Shabbat. Americans, you know, have no problem with getting into a groove where they're working 24-7, 365, you know. It's like, I got my business on my mind all the time and we're going to, you know, let's get up and hit the road. We got stuff that's got to get done. And I mean, a typical American will, will go by that volitionally. He'll do that volitionally. But in some cultures, you're required to work, right? When you're living in a tyranny, you guys are going to work seven days a week. I'm going to get this out of you. And some of these tyrants, if I could force you to not sleep, I'd make you work 24 hours a day, right? Yeah. So under those circumstances, it's not under those circumstances. Yah gave us the model from creation. Take the seventh day off. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to chametz, right? When it comes to leaven. You know, I've had people, you know, you know, I've had people in, in our group used to come in and say, you know, those marshmallows have pork in them, you know, and thou, thou, thou shalt not wear, you know, eat Rice Krispie squares because they have pork. And they're going nuts about the pork while they're busy living in an adulterous relationship with somebody. You know what I mean? There's a priority level here somewhere that you got to kind of have to get in mind. And when you talk about the leaven, you know, yeah, you should try to plan yourself out a little bit to go through the leavened stuff you have in the house. Yeah. You know, like the, like the bagels, like the, like the bread, this kind of stuff. Go, go through the leaven stuff. And make sure that it's gone so that you're not buying brand new loaves of bread the day before matzah so that you got to throw it all out, right? So you want to plan that out. And then what? You switch. It's very simple. You switch over to tacos and burritos for seven days, right? Boom. You know, you're, you're eating 11 bread <laughs> in, in Texas. You know that's easy to do, right? But, you know. Yeah, it's almost like we were made for. Uh, <laughs> you were I made for matzah. We were made for matzah. I think a lot of the traditions that we have probably came because... From what I understand, a lot of the pilgrims, when they came over, a lot of them were tour keepers. And so I think that's where we get. I mean, I've read some things. Again, you know, you rely on other people's information. It's very difficult to actually find your original source because every original source came from something else. But like spring cleaning. And I even think that Thanksgiving was originally 
might have been Sukkot. And if you look at what happened to Israel, it's the feast of Asif. It's the feast of Asif. Yeah, there is a feast in scripture that talks about it. There's two feasts that people don't want to talk about, Ketzer and Asif. And these are the names of these feasts. And one is the first harvest and the other is the last harvest. So when you talk about Sukkot, you don't really have a discussion of this being the last harvest. Sukkot is about the Feast of Tabernacles, it's about living in booths, it's about celebrating something entirely different. But what about the last harvest? Well, the last harvest is talked about the Feast of Asif, is how it appears in the Sefer, and it's how it appears in the Hebrew, the Feast of Asif, which is when you finally gather, you, you guys who farm or garden, you know, there comes a day where you're going to, that's the last of it. you got to go out there and you got to get the last of it. Yeah, the Yom Kodesh talks about that. Yeah, thank you, Sherry, for showing that. In the Yom Kodesh, we talk about these feasts. So when you come to the Feast of Asif, it's the last of the harvest. Okay, you got to go out there. You got to get those pumpkins out of there. You got to get that last squash. You got to get those last tomatoes off the off the vine because tomorrow it's going to freeze. And so you go out there and you do that last harvest. And when you do that last harvest, there is a feast that follows that. It's called mm-hmm. the Feast of Asif. Now, I think Thanksgiving is consistent with that. Of course, it's been secularized, Romanized, Germanized, you know. Let's beat it into a single day on a on a Gregorian calendar, right. but I but it is it doesn't say Sukkot there, and it does not say you know Yom Kippur. It says Asif, yeah. and uh, so it's something to think about in terms of what you do. And when you're talking about the other stuff, you know, when you look at tacos, for instance, that unleavened bread that comes out of you know the Mexican tradition has to do with the fact. Yeah, thanks, Sherry. Yeah, she's trying to show something there. I'm not, I'm not seeing it, Sherry. Can so you, you don't it? have to get rid of bacon, soda, and powder, and yeast is what you've been taught? Yeah. Well, I just didn't know if it meant unleavened bread, if it was specific to bread. Um, because at least in the Sefer, that's how when I see hametz, it says, or hametz, let me say it right. Um, yeah, it says hametz. unleavened bread and not just leavening. Because I just got a new bread. Uh, I'm going to start making my own bread out of wheat out of whole, whole wheat and yeah. I did not order the yeast and I was just like hold on I gotta get an answer to this first. <laughs> well I mean up here we have a real problem because where I come from we have what's called sourdough starter uh-huh. and uh, this sourdough starter which is a form of leaven oh, look at that here comes Rob he's breaking out the challah bread again and he's doing it before I had anything to eat Rob <laughs> that stuff looks so stinking delicious oh my goodness yeah but when you, yeah, that looks fantastic. But when, when you're talking about, uh, when you talk about like a sourdough starter, you know, there are people around here who have uh, their sourdough starter that's been around for over a hundred years. That's something. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, when you say, well, I'm going to get rid of the leaven, you know, for them, it's like, let's take it out to the camp, right? It won't be in the house. It's going to be out of here, but we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose touch with our hundred year old starter. Right. You're talking about great grandmother or great, great. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about, I mean, literally, like there's a place uh, in, a, in, a, in a village called Girdwood, and it's at, it's at a ski resort, the Alieska Ski Resort, this little village of Girdwood, and there's a, uh, a bake shop there that was famous for its cinnamon rolls, and they've had that sourdough started there for over 100 years. Wow. Now, a friend of mine brought some of that home, and he had one of these great big mayo jars, you know? Mm-hmm. And he had a little bit of that sourdough starter in the bottom. He says, okay, well, I'm going to mix up a little bit of, you know, bread dough and let's see how it goes, you know. So he puts, I think it was two cups, maybe three cups of flour in there. And he mixes it up with that starter. And then we went to bed. The following morning, we get up and that 
flour had come completely out of that mayo jar and all the way down on the counter and about a foot and a half long wow. from the jar, from what he had mixed, <laughs> what he had mixed in that starter, right? And, yeah, you know, so don't so go to we, bed when you do that. <laughs> but we, that, that, did, that didn't, listen, that didn't stop us at all. You know, it, it, we, had, <laughs> we had bread, we had pancakes, we had the whole shooting match out of that starter. It was fantastic. But yeah. that was the starter that came out of Gridwood. And that starter has been there for over 100 years. Wow. And, so, you know, so, but, but getting the leaven out of the house is get the leaven out of the house. You know, And it does mean spring cleaning. And it's not only, there's a whole thing that goes on with matzah, which is that, you know, back in the day, you would you'd have stuff that you'd store up in the summer and you'd be in your root cellar, if you will. You know, you've got last year's potatoes, you've got this, you've got that, you've got all the stuff that you've had canned and jarred and everything. And what the teaching in, in matzah is, is that you go through all that stuff, you clean up your house, you get rid of last year's leaven, you get rid of all this stuff. Then when you get the first fruits, now time to start eating fresh again, right? right. All that stuff that you had last year, because there's strong teaching about leftovers, you know, in scripture, right? Yeah. You can have leftovers for one day, but day two, out. Yeah. Remember these things. Yeah. And now, you know, just plan on getting yourself some uh, some good soft taco shells and, and stop buying bread for a little <laughs> bit. And, and don't order any yeast yet. Just wait. Yeah, not, not yet. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Oh, and also um, about the lamb, um, that was another thing. Um, you know, Yosha's our lamb. So I didn't know if it was good to eat lamb, okay to eat lamb. What, what it's is your... okay, but you should not be sacrificing the lamb for Pesach. In fact, Correct. Paul tells you, go eat dinner at home. Eat dinner at home. Whatever you're eating at home, eat dinner at home. Eat it. If you're having lamb, okay, fine. If you're having roasted, fine. Don't have ribs. Don't have pork ribs. <laughs> but but you know, if, if you're having something like that, you know, whatever, have dinner at home. But when you come to Pesach, it's going to be uh, unleavened bread and wine. Yeah. Okay. Because the, the idea, a lot of people want to sacrifice a lamb again. You cannot sacrifice a lamb and you shouldn't sacrifice a lamb even indirectly. You should not sacrifice a lamb, you know, have somebody else kill it. No, you shouldn't be sacrificing a lamb, right? We have, we have one lamb, his blood. Yeah. And so, so dinner is not a part of Pesach. You have dinner before. Okay. All right. Thank you. Very informative. Thanks, Lisa. Like I like I know this stuff. I don't. You know, I, I, really need to get, I need to get on top. The Yom Kodesh does have a good discussion of the feast days at the back okay. of the book. And I've got the, it actually. The book. Yeah, take I a look. To, yeah. Sherry was, was sharing some stuff on that too, and and uh, uh, and uh, okay, well, we'll come back to it. Okay, well, thanks, Lisa. Let's go to Chris. Chris, how's it going down under? Well, down south. Good, Doc. I've, I've got an answer for you, okay? okay. It's anti-clockwise. It's anti-clockwise? Anti-clockwise. Okay. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, yeah. So here it's clockwise. <laughs> All right. Here it's clockwise. Anyway, Doc, um, okay, uh, my heart has been very... Uh, can you hear me now, right? Uh, it was raining. Yeah, you're fine. There's no cutout at all. Great. My... Um, I don't know if anybody else has been feeling this, but this week my heart has been very heavy and it's been heavy with, um, and I'm not sure if it's Ruach. That's my, my, that's my issue. Right? Um, uh, it's been heavy with uh, sort of, um, how can I say, I'm frustrated maybe um, at people and the slowness of 
the uptake of the children of Yah to realize important things, i.e. the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, you have hangers on us and people coming to your meetings and so on. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's patience, which, which, uh, which, which, um, which is tested. Uh, but yeah, so, so I'm sort of getting to a place where I'm, I'm thinking and, 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 and um, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I mean, do I just say, look, okay, guys, you know what, um, I don't want to do so much effort anymore, you know, about this thing. And, and you guys aren't listening because I believe the time is, is like right now that things are going to happen. But when those things happen, people are going to be shaken. And I think that's when people are really going to start seeking, um, you know, the things that you've been talking about now, the tonight. Yeah, uh, it's, another so, thing, it's so true, Chris. I mean, it is, but, but listen, brother, don't lose faith. Yeah. And, and don't no, 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 not, you know, we just, we just, you, you just have to keep going. And sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, here in Alaska, you know, if you've ever walked through three feet of snow, okay, every step is, you know, four times the labor it takes to walk one step with no snow. Because you have to pick it up and then you're plunging back in, you pick it up and you plunge it back in. But you know, when, when you have somewhere you have to walk, you don't have any choice. You got to walk through that. And even though we're in a situation where it's like we're, we're talking to deaf ears, you know, one, on one hand, you're preaching to the choir. On the other hand, you're preaching to deaf ears. And yeah. it's like, and, and, you know, you go to your Christian friends who you would think would have a heart for the belief and you say Sabbath and they go, I can't hear you. I can't, you know, you know what I mean, right? And of course, we now we see that a lot of these, you know, we've had a huge falling away because so many churches have closed as a result of COVID. And it's a good thing they closed. Yah closed them intentionally because they were teaching a false gospel and teaching of just And so now what, what are these people going? What do they doing? So a lot of people run to videos, you know, they run, they go to YouTube Academy. And then once you get to YouTube or YouTube University, and then once you get there, some people, they'll just drink any Kool-Aid that's out there. Oh, I saw a video on YouTube and that's obviously true because it was on YouTube, right? And so there's, so we had a discussion about this last night. It was heartbreaking because one of the gals in fellowship, I told her, you know, look, you cannot take the premise when your pastor tells you, you know, he's holding up the NIV. This is the inerrant word of God. And you have one of the most butchered translations that's predicated upon a forged Codex Sinaiticus and a corrupted Codex Vaticanus and saying, this is the inerrant word, you know, I hate to break the news to anybody, but the fact of the matter is you are responsible for your own faith. You are responsible. You can't sit here and tell me, oh, my pastor said, no, 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 no. You are responsible. And if your seed was planted on shallow soil, it's not going to survive. The seed must be in deep soil for it to survive. And it requires discernment. Because if you're not discerning, and this is what the biggest the biggest difficulty is, there's anti-missionaries out there <laughs> that when you're not discerning, oh, Paul's a false prophet, and that you know that itches your ear. Oh, Paul's a false prophet. I wonder what that guy has to say. And if you're a person who just sucks down the Kool Aid, no matter who's presenting it, well, I believe that because I saw that on the video. 
And the next thing you know, you're so far afield, you're out there, you know, you're out there, you know, headed to the outer orbit because you, you, you had no sense of conviction and you didn't have a single root down in deep soil, not a single root. So I told her last night, I said, she said, well, how do we know anything is scripture and true? If you're going to say that, you know, if the NIV is corrupted, I said, well, scripture tells you how you know what is true. By the testimony of two or more witnesses, the matter is established. Yeah. Now, what did Yah say? Right? He says, I am Yahweh Elohim. Or Elohim. I am Yahweh Elohim. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Uh, did he just leave it bald like that? I'm going to say it, and you're going to believe it. Right? I'm Yahweh Elohim. Believe it. No. He said, Anki Yahweh Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who brought you out of bondage. Now, there's two witnesses. So if Yah is going to say, I'm telling you this is who I am, and these are the two witnesses to my claim, what does Mashiach say in John chapter 8? I testify to myself, but if I testify to myself, my witness is untrue. Does that mean he's a liar? No. That means that it's a matter of Talmudic understanding or even Tanakhian understanding. He who testifies about himself cannot be, that cannot be construed as a witness. It's taken as false. It's not construed as, so when people come up, and this is why when the guy came up to, to Mashiach says, I've cast out demons in your name. I've healed in your name. And I've done other miracles in your name. He's testifying about himself. And Yahshua says to him, get away from me, you worker of iniquity. You're over here for all intents and purposes lying because you're testifying about yourself and your witness cannot be construed as the truth. Even to the extent that he says, even if I testify to myself about myself, it's false. But what? There is another who testifies for me. The father testifies to me. The prophets testify to me. The miracles testify to me. There's witness on witness on witness on witness that testifies as to who I am. Besides my witness, besides my telling you who I am, right? So when you see this testimony of two or three witnesses, go through scripture and look. And you'll see this prophet said this. Okay, did that come to pass? Yes, it did. Why? Because we have two witnesses to the fact that that prophecy came to pass. Is that prophecy true? Well, Ezekiel prophesied it, Daniel prophesied it, John prophesied it, Paul prophesied it, Ezra prophesied it, Baruch prophesied it. Those are witnesses. Those are witnesses coming to this claim. Now, when you have stuff that's in there that says, oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, let's see, what was his name? Um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Well, you know, take anybody, you know, Shealtiel. And Shealtiel was 38 years old at the time of the Second Temple. And there's no second witness to that. Does anybody really care whether or not Shealtiel was 38 years old? Nobody cares. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a meaningless fact, right? And yeah. so, but, but you deal with some real hard issues. And when I bring these up, people go nuts. But look, the end of First Kings says what? That Shaul... Fell on his old and on his own sword. Second Kings opens up with the guy saying, "I killed him," and David puts him to death. So which was it? The Gospels say that Judas went out and hung himself. That's then right. in another yeah. section, 
his guts fell out in Potter's Field. Yeah. One gospel says there was a demoniac. Another gospel says there were demoniacs. There were two guys there, not just one, but two. Which one's accurate? So you well, have Bob, the, 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 great, the, the one that we were discussing today in the King James and the, in, in the New King James is uh, Malachi 4.2, where it says the S-U-N of righteous. I mean, gee, you know, how, you know, the Catholic Church uh, influence. But anyway, look, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's, there's too many of them. But, um, you know, okay, I, I, wanna, I don't want to take too much time, but this is a bit of a loaded question. Um, uh, you know, another thing that's been sort of uh, on my mind quite a lot is this thing about countries being either accepting you or denying you, and then the people thereof having the consequence of the sin of the leaders. And that's happened throughout the Bible, and it's happening now. And um, I, it's really like, wow, you know, um, if my people are called, uh, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I shall, and I will heal their land. I'll heal them from heaven and heal their land, right? And um, we, we've got countries, I mean, none, no countries, are abiding to Yah's um, precepts at the moment. None, not one. And we've got all this confusion going on. No wonder we're going to have all these problems very soon in this world. There's no question. And I mean, when you look at David taking the census, you remember this? David yes. was told, don't you dare take a census. Well, I'm going to take a census. Why? Because I want to find out how many people I'm governing because I am, you know, he wanted to stroke his ego with his census. And they told him, do not take the census. And he took the census. And then what happened? Plague came upon the land and 30,000 people died, right? Before David repented from taking the census. The plague didn't come upon David. It didn't even come upon the census takers. It came upon the land. That's right. You see the same thing. So even when you even when you're in a country that has a rigged election or a fixed election, or you have a dictator or something like this, the dictator makes a decision that it goes against the tenets of Yah, and that culture pays a price. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know, and in terms of trying to talk, and then and, if you even mention the idea, gee, we should live by the standards of Yah. Oh, you're trying to impose a theocracy on us with your narrow-minded religious bigotry, right? Yeah. Why is it narrow-minded? No, we're trying to give you a long life and a peaceful life and one where everybody can eat and sleep well. <laughs> That's what we're trying, you know? I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the scripture, right, in Isaiah. Is it Isaiah? I'm not sure. Anyway, shall a nation be born in a day? Right, right, and then they start. Then they start with the 1967 uh, war that, and then all of a sudden Israel's born, and that's what it means. No, it doesn't mean that. It means when Yah returns, there shall be a nation born in a day, yeah, born and in that day. nation yeah. is His nation. It's His nation. His nation, and He will be the king, the and the lawmaker, and the judge. Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The eyes yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's so easy to deceive people and take the eyes off the ball. And then nobody dares to read and, and question and ask questions and study. No, no, no. We must just go with whoever is saying what at the day. You know? And I mean, uh, if, if he's got a black suit on and he's talking in front of a thousand people, well, he must be, the, he must be right. You must be correct in every single way. Yeah, unless, of course, it's Kenneth Copeland and he's talking to a bunch of people with a heavy metal guitarist <laughs> rocking up beside him. <laughs> well, he's been found out. You know, I'm talking about the other guys, the other guys in the wing. Oh, OK. Right? All right. OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, I mean, good down. word, Chris. I mean, and again, I, I want to caution everybody here. Be careful when you're listening to a video. Or, or you're reading a new book, or you're reading a new blog, whatever you're reading, whatever you're reading, come on, you have to be discerning. And when somebody, you know, this is the thing, I mean, you know, most of our young generation has lost the ability to critically think. They don't critically think. They're, they're told to regurgitate. And then, then they're told, these are the approved channels that you can listen to. And you only listen to these and you regurgitate their message. You don't think for yourself. You don't criticize. You don't uh, use any kind of skills whatsoever to ascertain the truth of the matter. Like, I'm going to share this with you guys. I don't know what you guys are watching for news sources, okay? But if you, if you want to see what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, the most accurate site in the world is called War News 247. War News 247. It's out of Greece, and you can get it in the English language. And that is the most up-to-date kind of on-the-ground reporting that's going on. They're, uh, they're not friends of Russia in any respect. Uh, and in fact, they're, they're trying to monitor the war in order to get Greeks out of Ukraine. But that is an accurate website, the most accurate website for up-to-date analysis about what's happening in the war. War News 247 is what, is what it's called. When you get there, it'll be in the Greek language, but it, it can translate to English, okay? Right, uh, Doc. One more quickly uh, while we're about it. I just wanted to get another, another, another one on scripture. Um, the uh, the 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 Our Father prayer in in, in Matthew six. Yes. Uh, we, we were discussing that today in verse thirteen, I believe. Let me just see. Uh, verse thirteen. Yeah. But now um, it says, "And lead us not into lead us not into temptation." Um, the, 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 the and I saw on, on, on the, on the uh, uh, what is it, the Hebrew Matthew, the Hebrew Matthew. And do not lead us into the power of temptation, but keep us from all evil. Do not leave us into the power of temptation, but keep us from all evil. What, 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 is, your, uh, what is your take on that? Uh, if, and that's the last question I'll ask. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's, this is a great Jeffrey. question, Chris. This is an absolutely great question. Okay, and I was going to spend some time actually to give a detailed discussion of this. Let me see if I can find this real quick. While, while you're As, busy, I mean, you know, what 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 I'm thinking directly is all things are made for him by him. Uh, so through him, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't really matter uh, what the, what the evil is doing. It's 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 for him and by him and and. And for us, you know, like uh, like deception, you know, we've got to be overcomers in the end of the day, and we've got to prove that we are overcomers and not being uh, misled and fall 
by the evil assaults on us. Anyway, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm finishing off. Okay, Thanks, now, Thank you very much. Okay, so there's a couple of things about this Our Father prayer. There's kind of two sources for this prayer, okay? One source is in First uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29, okay? And this is going to begin in verse 10, okay? First Chronicles 29, verse 10. Remember that Mashiach is this is the seed of David, right? He's of the, the line of Jesse, the seed of David. Mm-hmm. Wherefore David blessed Yahweh before all of the assembly. And David said, <clears throat> Blessed be you, Yahweh Elohai of Yasharel, our father. Okay, you see this language very clearly, our father, forever and ever, right? Olam la olam, as they say in the Hebrew. Um, and so here you have this forever and ever. So we know that we have forever and ever at the end of the Our Father prayer in the Gospels, right? And which begins with Our Father, right? Our Father, we're taught hallowed be your name, but here it is, Our Father, blessed be you, Yahweh Elohai, right? So the same kind of concept, Our Father, blessed be you, Yahweh. Yours, O Yahweh, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. So we get the kind of the shortened version at the end of the Our Father prayer in the Hebrew. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. But here we have, oh, no, it's the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty, right? David is, is, is loading it on, right? For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Yahweh, and you are exalted as head above all. So here we see this idea, all that's in the heavens and the earth are in yours. So Mashiach says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when you see this on earth as it is in heaven, you know, as above, so below. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't that come out of the satanic Bible? No, it came out of the Our Father prayer. As above, so below. Let your will be done on earth below as it is in heaven, right? As, as it is above. Now, when you talk about this phrase, lead us not into temptation. Well, this actually comes out of four Ezra. Okay. Mm, yes, that's what we were reading. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's four Ezra 15, but it might be 16. Yeah. I need to look here and see. But you have it in four Ezra, you have a, a, a more complete discussion because will would Yahweh lead us into temptation? No, no. he wouldn't lead us into temptation. No. But what does it say in four Ezra? Let not the evil rule coat lead us into temptation, right? I have to I get a, find it because, again, I wasn't prepared to answer this because I, don't, I didn't have the scripture passage marked. Um, but I think it's in, it's in Ezra 15 or Ezra 16 for Ezra. Um, Ezra for Ezra 16, you know. Uh, yeah. You better be you better be prepared when you're gonna read that, right? Okay, let's see if I if I can find it. I think I can it. By, by the way, John, you can ask questions if you want. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll jump in then. I was trying to refrain myself. <laughs> um, I'm holding back over here. I, I, I was, I bit my tongue three times already. So yeah. Uh but 
as you started out talking about your this this idea of people rejecting and, and distancing themselves and you're right i have that same group of friends they they for whatever reason well i don't have to abide by the sabbath i don't have to do that i have my own business i have this i've been keeping it this way for this whole time but but as you were talking there i thought of the the 10 the 10 virgins right you have the five wise and the five foolish and and it's the power in their lamps and and uh, psalm 105 says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and it's that word and so those five um foolish they have to go and uh um i don't know why this is can you still hear me yeah we can yeah. still hear you we just can't see it yeah my my thing won't work and now it says something else on my thing meeting alert. Oh, okay All um, right, no problem Oh, it says my my host has to start my video. I don't know why. Well, I'm trying to start. Tip up. I got you. You know, start my video. Here we go. Is that it? Is it come up? No, no. No, nah, but you good. You good. We can hear you. Okay. okay. So, so you have the 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 five wise and the five foolish, and and thy word is a lamp under my feet, and and so they, the foolish ones aren't studying they're not doing what you're talking about they're not digging into the word the five wise they've dug into the word so when the bridegroom comes the ones who dug into the word they they get to go in but the foolish they have to go out and buy the oil they have to go out and what time frame we're in and that's the issue i think that we're facing because they don't want to see the time frame we're in the five wise do I, I agree with you, John. I love I, I love the other analogy that uh, you know the, the the name of Yahweh is the oil in the lamp. Uh, as far as um, the Song of Songs is concerned, one two, I believe it is. Um, and I love that. I love that. You know that we have the name, and the name is what brings us the power of the name. You know that's another thing. I mean, everybody. I, I've just been listening to pastors and, and you know, now recently I've, I've just asked, I've checked a couple of things. Everything's about Lord and this and that, but nobody can tell you what his name is. Uh, but yet they say, those who believe in his name. And then I'll say, okay, well, what's his name? No, I don't know. You know, I mean, what, what is that? I just spoke to a pastor the other day. He's been in the ministry for 40 years. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying, well, okay, well, what is it? And, and, they really um it's as if everything else churchianity is like uh, as 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 you know this whole thing about being busy let's just be busy what does what does satan do just keep us so busy that we don't even listen to what yah is saying to us huh? sorry doc i'm just carrying on no no it's a very good word chris and i'll tell you i mean you're right and you know and for and I think John is really onto it too here when we talk about the, the wise virgins, because again, because they have not dug into the word, you know, Mashiach is telling us very clearly, look, this is how you prepare your house. This is how you prepare your heart. This is what, this is how you prepare yourself. You have to prepare your spiritual life. We're not talking about, you know, because if, you know, he who, who, if, if Yah does not build the house, the labor is labor in vain. And so you can, you can do all kinds of prep stuff and all kinds of this, that, and the other thing, but you're not going to get there. But when Yah builds the house, you're going to get there. So this idea of being scripturally prepared, 
So we can sit here in this group, we can share prophecy about what's coming on. We've got a pretty clear idea about where we're headed prophetically. We've shared Bible codes. We've shared some of the, you know, the signs in the heavens. And, and, but equally important because we become students of this because this means something to us. Mm-hmm. And we have also reorganized our lives. We've reorganized our lives to include the day of rest, one day in seven, and to embrace the rhythm that is the feast days and to have acknowledgement of what Yah is calling us to. And equally important, we leave the pageantry, the pagan stuff, we leave that behind. You know, when we first got started on this journey, it was a combination of enter in and exit out. You know, I remember one night, one night we had a, um, we had a, a Christmas uh, stuff burning, right? Everybody go to your storage space, bring down your Christmas stuff, you know? And, you know, I mean, look, I can remember in, in my house, you know, we used to have, I used to have to get, you know, rent a storage shed to hold the Christmas stuff, you know? Oh, we got yeah. the Christmas stuff, you know? It's like, I'm like, no, I don't want the Christmas stuff around at all. I just don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want it around. I don't want to have any, I don't want to, no. And so anyways, we had this huge bonfire where everybody was just, you know, chucking the, you know, the, the fake Santas and, you know, the blow up frosty yeah. and, and you know, <laughs> Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you know? They were all getting checked up on the fire, you know, and, and appropriately so. But I mean, the thing is, you have to come out of her, my people, before you can enter. Mm-hmm. You have to come out of her. And there's a lot of people that got they've got that that last leg dragging in Babylon, man, and they want to keep it there. Uh, well, that that leg's doing pretty well, you know, but Yah doesn't say that. He says, come out of her, my people, lest ye share in her plagues. And I can tell you. One of the things we found out last night, we're talking about this, is when people come out of her, first of all, you, you, some people, it's very, very difficult because especially if you were a zealous church, churchianity person, you know, you're deeply involved in, you know, women's ministry and you're hanging out, you know, you're doing the daycare thing and you're, you know, you're going off on the retreats and all of these things and you're reading all the new age books, right? It's like somebody said last night, you can't read Jasher, you can't read Enoch, you can't read Jubilees, you can't read Second Baruch, but you can read Rick Warren's book, you know, on the new church, you can read Joel Olstein's book, you can read, you know, Joyce Meyer's book, you can read those books all day long, but you can't read the scripture that's been laying around for 2000 years, that's verboten, you can't read that stuff, right? And so what you see is you see people who come out of that, you know, it's all trapped up in new age, and a lot of those people have got you know, they got super glue on this arm that tied them right to that building, you know, yeah. and they got, they've got glue on the bottom of their feet and they've had their heads been duct taped to the back wall. And then we, and when you say you need to come out of her, it's like, I can't, yeah, right. So it's painful coming out. And then when you get out, what happens? My mother won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> my sister has cut me off. My brother is calling me a cultist hangs up the phone whenever I try to talk to him about my new discoveries. He won't talk to me. My kids are done with me. They've had it. They, you know, no more Christmas tree. I'm not coming to your house ever. Right. And so what happens, you see a lot of people in this movement, it's like, I'm alone. Yeah. You know, boom, I'm alone. Where am I? Where's my, yeah. Can I make a comment to Chris? Oh, I've been waiting to make one too. Oh, I'm sorry. There's Shelly. I already got Shelly online. Okay, but here, let Raina let me let Raina drop in just a second. Go, Go Raina. Okay. When I read First John two nineteen, 
that was an eye opener for me. Mm. That opened very clearly about the rabbis, about those messianic teachers. Because I left Judaism to the same thing, really, but kind of with the even even the the name is not correct, but but from the beginning, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been happening from the beginning. It's nothing new. No, it's nothing new. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So first John 219, right? Or 218. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that anti-Mashiach shall come. And even now there are many of these antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not at all of us. Yeah, yeah, and so so it is, right? I, okay, I, I just want to say one thing. Um, sorry, before Shell Shell Shell's been asking, <laughs> um, uh, uh, it's 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 not that the people you know are, 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 are that kind of way inclined. It's just that you know if I I sort of feel. And maybe I'm wrong, that if I don't push the, the Torah readings, which everybody loves, um, then nobody's going to do it anyway. You know, and, 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 and you sort of think, well, you know, okay, where do we actually say, okay, well, uh, we don't say this, but sometimes I think this, and, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a fault on my part, is, you know, but now, uh, why don't we just drag those that want to come um, along, you know, it's just, but anyway, that's that's that. I know that that's wrong, and I'm not going to do that. It's just that sometimes you sort of feel that way. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I appreciate it, Chris, and you know, and it's always good because look, you know, when you have, um, you know, when we're when we're this is not you know a, driving a bus. It's more like driving a boat. You know, and you know, you think uh, you know when it, when it comes to a boat, you can grab that. Sometimes you can grab that wheel all you want. You can't make that boat change direction, right? Yeah, it's a slow but it does, it does help to have navigators and it does help to have people pointing at the destination and say, we're going there. Remember that we're going there. You know, that's our point. That's where we're, that's our destination. That's where we should go. Okay. Oh, Shelley, what do you, you wanted to add about, something? Um, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna, uh, what do you think about Putin's meeting uh, with the Pope or rather the Pope uh, inviting or going to see the uh, Russian embassy this week but anyway okay so yeah well i mean that's always a great question i mean you know and the thing is, is that we really see some open wounds that are still there right there is the great schism between eastern orthodoxy and the western church is still present it's still present that hatchet has not been buried and you can try to meet and say everything's good and we like you there's no way that the russian patriarch of, of the church you know kirill uh is going to uh, submit to the authority of Jorge Bergoglia, you know, who is calling himself the Pope. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And the the Orthodox dislike for the Roman cross is huge. I mean, it's in the blood marrow, right? Yeah. So, you know, under these circumstances, we can see that, you know, we have, again, yeah, I mean, it's like somebody like the repeat of Hitler meeting the Pope. Yeah, I just saw that too. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know, and, the, the, and the, thank you, Kimmy, for that comment. But, you know, the thing is, when we look at this stuff, all of the stuff is history repeating itself. And 
And, and, but what the, the ultimate outcome of this is going to be just an absolutely bloody war. And for some of us, you can see that Yah has placed many of us in places where he wants us to be. Right? That's right. In fact, he's placed all of us where he wants us to be. And you might you look know, at it and say, well, this is this or that's that. But it's what Yah has done. And as the war comes, do not be afraid of the war. Do no. not be, do not be afraid, do not be afraid of any of this stuff. If this stuff comes, okay, it comes. You know, could be worse, could be raining. You know, I mean, there's lots of stuff that you know that could happen, right? And we just need to, we just need to be faithful, recognize that Yah is placing stuff in our life. You know, when Yah calls us home, right? When your hour comes, right? It comes. It comes. You know, my wife went down to visit one of her best friends who was going in for hip surgery last week. She was gonna have both hips replaced. And you know now they've got these miracle uh, surgeries that they do where they can replace both hips and send you home the following day, right? So she flies down there to visit her and she gets in the, the morning. She didn't see her that morning because she went into the hospital the same time my wife was arriving. So she goes into the hospital, she comes out and she's talking, and my wife's talking to her, well, how'd it go? Well, it's going all right, you know, and I'm looking forward to getting back to the house and then, you and I can sit around, you know, you can take care of me for a week, right? Following day, she's gone. Yeah. Right? She went up to 105 degree fever, then her, then her head started to swell, then she had these, you know, this massive blood reaction, her blood pressure crashed, and then, and then she, you know, flatlined for 10 minutes. They brought her back with the paddles, but she was already gone at that point. She, you know, her soul was gone. And they kept her alive for another couple hours, but she was gone. I mean, it was just like, boom. Just like that, just gone, right? And it's the same thing with, with, with any of us, right? Some of us might have long, lingering, painful death. Some of us might have a very short death. We don't even know comes, right? But either way, we're all going to pass. And so it's not a question of how you die. It's a question of how you live. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, sorry, Doc, you were talking about South Africa and have we seen the impact of this? Well, you know, we've got a couple of people in South Africa with big mouths and little brains in our government as well. And then we've also got um, uh, uh, RT that was shut down here. <laughs> yeah, they were shut down here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know who's building the wall. The, the thing is about this whole Pope thing, and I'm sorry to take the time up of this group. I mean, I know that it's it's wrong of me. But, um, you know, who's You're pushing really, it. Really, You're pushing it, Chris. Yeah, I know. Who's ruling the world? Who's who is who's on top of this? I mean, this first Second World War, as you know, that you, as you as you said, you the student of that, and you know, is this the is is this the fight of the Roman money? Is this to to, to determine who is the uh, the the army behind the Roman money to protect yeah. it? You yes, know? and and this and, is the rise and, of the Roman Reich, and Rome correct. wants to assert itself over the whole world. And there Correct. are people who are not going to allow Rome to assert itself over the whole world, which in includes its traditional enemy, the Orthodox in Russia, who are not going to allow Rome to assert itself. And, you know, the Russians say, look, when they kicked the Americans out of Moscow, they said, you guys get out and take your rainbow flags with you. That's what they told the American right. embassy when they left. And, and how does China fit into that? Well, China is, look, China is now taking the cue from Russia and they've told the United States, get your nuclear weapons out of out of uh, Korea. And if you try to do if you try to pull any stuff with Taiwan at all, we're going to turn your entire Navy into scrap iron. 
quote yeah. that was two days ago. And yes. so, you know, so this whole thing comes down to this really climax of events. And the climax of events has so little to do with the ah, and has everything to do with, you know, secular authority, secular power, might, yes. muscle, all, the, all this other stuff. And they worship death. They're in a covenant with death. They worship death. Yes. And we, and, who, then, and you know, this is playing out, like you said, um, a while ago. You know, you've got that the the, the three powers, right? You got you got uh, you got uh, USA, you've got uh, Russia, and you've got China. And the one who doesn't engage in this immediate battle is the one that wins. And it looks like China is the one that's winning now. You know, so at this stage, at this stage, well, at least. I'll just share this with you real quickly, Chris, because then we got we got to move on. But look, the sanctions that Joe Biden pushed put on Russia. You know, I went to the gas station last night, five bucks a gallon, right? It was $5 a gallon. Uh, natural gas this morning, if it were expressed in the terms of oil, it would be at 370 bucks a barrel. Oil has never broken 200. 370 bucks a barrel would be what it would cost if it was expressed in oil. So natural gas has gone through the ceiling. Nickel has gone through the ceiling. Gold is on the rise. Silver is on the rise. Russia, who makes 90% of the world's um, yes, uh, ammonium nitrate fertilizer, they're now withholding it all. They're not going to give anybody any fertilizer. They also control 90% of 95% of the helium, which is used to cool the cloud. We're out of helium. We can't get helium from Russia. They've told the investors in Russian oil and Russian gas, and by, by the way, Russia produces 50% of the gas used in Europe, 40% of the wheat eaten in Europe, 20% of the corn eaten in Europe, all that stuff's going away. It's, it's not going to be available in Europe at all. That's and right. people in Europe know what the gas, what natural gas is costing now. And it's going to be very quickly, next winter is going to be a cold winter for everybody. You're not going to be able to heat your home. And so all, and anybody who has invested in those companies, Russia has kept all their money. Now, Russia did the fatal blow yesterday that ensured that we're going to war two days ago, they went on the gold standard. So the ruble is now the most stable currency in the world and the euro and the dollar have become completely destabilized because they're not backed by anything, which means that now we have to go to war because the as soon as they got kicked off the SWIFT system, which is the you know reconciling currencies system called SWIFT, the Chinese launched a program called SIPS and it immediately went viral. They had 98 countries immediately began to participate in SIPS, which is based on the yuan and not the American dollar. And Russia is all that natural gas that Russia used to sell to Europe is now selling it to China. All the oil they used to sell to Europe, they're now selling to China. All the wheat they used to sell to Europe, they're now selling to China. So all of these things, we have cut off our nose to spite our face. Mm. And so yeah. now you're gonna, you, you know, come Monday morning, you're gonna see the markets in free fall, I mean, they're already falling around the world and you're going to see explosive inflation as the dollar plummets to zero. And many of the commentators are saying it's going to go all the way to zero. One commentator said there's a 15,000 point correction latent on the Dow, right? Waiting. Everything's, I mean, look at, look at the, look at the value of uh, the, you know, the prices of houses. Go on, go on Zillow and check the price of your house and see how much it went up last week. Right. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Gas was up 60 cents a gallon in one day. That's a 20 percent increase in one day. One day. Food prices shooting through the roof. I mean, all this stuff is happening. 
And it's happening because we have leaders who are so busy scratching themselves, they don't think. Mm. And now we have guys calling for nuclear war. I mean, they're just outright calling for it. Well, you know, you call for it, you're going to get it. And then when this happens, people in America who thinks that, that this is going to be no big deal, I mean, they're just wrong. It's going to be a huge deal. And the only person who's going to really survive it is going to be John Kelb, who, as we know, has prepped himself in neither region. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, John. You know, I'm just kidding you. But, but the point is, is that when we look at all this stuff, when we look at what's happening now, you know, I've been praying for a long time that these guys would de-escalate. All it took was one guy to de-escalate and say, hey, you know what? Let's back up for a minute and go talk. That didn't happen. Oh, you think you're tough? I'm tougher than you. No, well, I'm tougher than you. Well, I'm tougher than you. Well, I'm tougher than you. And that's what's been going on. It's been non, it's just been nothing but on-stop, non-stop escalation. And that escalation is going to lead to destruction. So all right. Well, thank you, Chris. And thanks, thanks for bringing it up because, you know, my blood pressure is already going up. But, but Steven, right. Yes. Can I Hi, add Danny. something really quickly? Hi, brother. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to jump right off. This is also troubling, troubling me as far as uh, the prayer to, to Yah. And um, in the book of James, uh, chapter 113 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of Elohim for Elohim cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Now, exactly. interesting enough, just want to throw something really quickly. The, the Eastern Aramaic uh, Peshitta text of Matthew 6, 9, 13, which is the Elohim's prayer, uh, goes on to say, uh, and do not let us enter into temptation. And do not, yeah. uh, so, uh, I mean, it, so here it's saying, it's not saying do not, lead us but do not let us enter into temptation now i believe my elohim my father will not tempt me i don't believe that's what he does he wants the best for us uh so i think there's something to to the prayer uh when they were putting the book together uh that just doesn't jive you know there's just something there you know yeah yeah i agree with that, that i wants agree with the that. best for you leads yeah. you into temptation and you got to beg your father don't lead me into this temptation no, do not let us be led into temptation, Abba. This yeah, is where I, this is where my heart lays. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Danny. And if I could, if I could only find this, I can't find it right now. But there is the passage was, you know, lead us out into temptation, but deliver us from evil, was actually taken from an ancient text, and I don't remember if it was Second Baruch or Fourth Ezra. I think it was Fourth Ezra. Uh, Danny, and, um, are, are are you are, are you in, in the mind like I am? Is actually you praying? For Yah to put a hedge around you to protect you. Is that the kind of thought that you that you bring Absolutely. Through? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we know that he allows things to happen, but would he do it himself and lead you into temptation? I mean, Yahusha himself would know that. Yahusha, how would Yahusha say, how would he teach the people and say that you should say, oh, don't lead us into temptation? There is one tempter. So there's, you know what I mean? This is my conviction in my heart. I've always struggled with this as well. It, it's been a burden on me for a very, very long time. And I don't pray that way. I don't say, do not lead me into temptation. I say, Abba, do not let us be led into temptation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Please forgive me that I jumped in like this. No, no, no. It's an extremely important point because when we talk about this model of the Our Father prayer, you know, we're told, 
you know, and believe me, you'll you'll get smacked in the head if you go in and you deviate one word on the Our Father. You know, how dare you? That's not what it says. Well, it, we're taught it as a model. But the thing is, is that when we talk about this idea of not being led into evil, uh, you know, and not being, you know, and deliver us from evil, right? Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. But the, the history where it came from, Mashiach didn't make this prayer up at a whole cloth. He was using other scriptural sources to develop this. I showed you the prayer of David. And David is the one who says, we use the phrase, our father. David is the one that says, you know, on, in heaven as it is on earth. David is the one that says, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. David is the one that says, hallowed be your name, right? But it's Ezra who begins to say, it's as I believe it's Ezra who says, let not your let the evil do not allow the evil rule coat to lead us into temptation and deliver us from their evil, right? And so you know, by the time you get to a Greek interpretation, the Greek translation, well, you're down the road, right? Because the Greeks were writing down what the Hebrews were telling them. It was an oral tradition that was written down by the Greeks, and there, a lot of stuff was lost in that Greek translation. And then by the time you get to the English, but once you get to the Vatican in there, well, you guys write whatever you want, but make sure you put in a lot of Vatican authority. You know, you can, you know, interpret it in such a way that we got plenty of Vatican authority over that stuff, right? So, sorry, so, Doc, can I just, uh, can I just uh, say one more thing? It's Jubilees 12, Abraham's Prayer, Jubilees 12, 20. Jubilees 12, there it is, boom, thank you, you found it. Yeah, 20. It says, deliver me from the hands of evil Ruachoth, who have dominion over the thoughts of men's hearts, and let them not lead me astray from you, my Elohim, and establish me and my seed forever, that we go not astray from henceforth and forevermore. Boom. There it is. Now, this is Abraham's prayer, right? Now, here, again, when you see this being as part and parcel of what is going to appear in the gospel says the prayer does what does this mean does this mean that mashiach was aware of the text in jubilees yes it does does it mean that mashiach was aware of the text in second chronicles yes it does you know i mean so we have this idea that once again we begin to see evidence hard evidence that these were accepted texts that were read by the Talmudim at that time, they were read, known, and understood by the Talmudim at that time. Now, I, I'm still have to tell you, I, I do think there's some text missing that I haven't been able to find because Paul quotes some texts that I have not been able to find. In, in Romans, there's some, there's some quotes that he says, it is written. Where is that written? It's not written in any, of the, in any of the books we have right now, but Paul, when he said Paul, Paul said it is written, he's referring to something we haven't found it all. It's like when Paul makes reference to Janus and Jambres. Wait, do you think Paul just made those names up? Right? I'll, I'll just cook up these names, Janus and Jambres. No, they appear in the book of Jasher. So you see, Jasher is a forgery. Oh, well, you think it's a Jewish forgery? Why would a Jew in the 14th century make reference to Janus and Jambres in order to prove that Paul was not a false prophet? Why, why would they do that? You know, I mean, it's just, it's just there's no logic to it at all. But there is logic when you understand that Paul didn't make the names up. He referenced it from an ancient text. And here, now you see, this was 12, what was, what was the verse again? 12 what? 1220, right? 12 Jubilees, 
Jubilees chapter 12, verse 20, deliver me from the hands of the evil rule code who have dominion over the thoughts of men's heart and let them not lead me astray from you. Let them not lead me astray. Let them not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from their hands, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit different, but we can see our source right there. There's our source. Okay, thank you, Chris, for finding that. Thank you, brother. There was no chance I was going to find it. Not a chance. No, there was no chance you found it. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Brian. Well, wait a Okay, well, I'm going to go to Brian Shelley. Then you can you can kick in and ask Brian a question. Use use the John technique. Okay. <laughs> hey, Brian. Shalom, brother. Shalom. Shalom. How are you? Um, I'm fine and dandy. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. First of all, I want to, if you don't mind, as I can correct your numbers, um, 1,260 days brings you to March of 21, not 20, 2020. Um, so anyway, um, my also the reason I know this is because Friday the 13th, March 13th was in 2020. And I've been looking at this date because if you remember, seven years earlier, the Pope was elected on uh, March 13th, 2013. And so I've been looking at that date, wondering if there's something man's going to do. Again, it's not Yah's calendar. It's not Yah's anything, the pagan calendar. But it's man's going to do things on man's calendar. So I looked at it at that point. Um, but I didn't look at it. Yah's going to do things on his calendar. He's not going to do things on man's calendar. I just want to bring that out. Right. But anyway... Um, I thought that was interesting. That's why I know that's not correct because 2017, September 2017, will bring you to March 2021. If you don't mind me, hope you don't take it wrong. But no, 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 wait. Let's let's think about that for just a second because I think you're right. Because we have you got 2018, 2019. Those are two 360 day years. Let's call them. 2020 would be another 360 day years. So that's you know that's not quite 1260, right? So we still need 260 days. So you're right. It is March of 2021. You're right. Yeah. And I, I knew that because I've been teaching March of 2021 for right. a long time. But but uh, but nonetheless, okay, March of 2021. All right. Now, and what were you it's but nonetheless, where does it take us from March of 2021 until 1260 days from there? The fall of 24, which would be seven years from 2017, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's that's one theory, but I, I'm I'm still working on the 2015 theory, theory, as you know. So the sign we saw in 2015. So um, anyway, uh, I, I, I don't, they work together. I don't know. There's something, there's something up. I don't know what it is between the 2015 and the 2017 sign. I haven't figured that out yet, but I believe y'all will review it to as wise ones, right? Eventually when it's time. But anyway, uh, my question is revelation chapter 20, verse eight. And I've been wanting to ask this for a long time, but, um, I, I, I was just praying about it, trying to figure out what I'm missing. But Revelation 20, verse 8, eight it clearly says the God Magog war is after the thousand year reign. Now, that's I don't know correct. Two, I don't know if there's two thousand, I don't know if there's two uh, Gog Magog wars, but everybody talks about it in the, this movement, Gog Magog war. Is it possible we're confusing the Gog Magog war with either the Ezekiel 38 war or the Psalms 83 war? Um, uh, what's your thoughts on Or is there two Gog Magog wars? Um, that was, yeah, that's your, that's your thought and my on thoughts that. on that is that I do believe there are two Gog and Magog wars because when you talk about Gog and Magog, it's very difficult to uh, nail this down, right? Because technically, Magog or Magog is actually could be construed as a prefix, 
magog. And if it's a prefix, then that would mean from or of Gog. Well, what is Gog? You know, I mean, you have Japheth who names his kid Magog, Magog. And where did he get that name? You know what I mean? And where, what is this coming from, right? And so we talk about Gog and Magog. Now you have to remember that Gog and Magog also is discussed in the Quran. You know that? There's three references to Gog and Magog in the Quran. And I think what was what's being said here is you're talking about, he says, what he says here, and they shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is just the sand and the sea. Well, again, this I think this is another prediction that we're talking about. There's going to be another world war. In other words, we have a so generally speaking, Gog and Magog is kind of being used like the term Malkit Sadiq, maybe. You have this idea that, you know, on one hand, you have the, the, the clean Hebrew, which is the messenger of the righteous messenger. But by the time you get to Psalms, Melchit Sadiq is a priesthood. It's the title of a priesthood and so on and so forth. And here, I think we have the same thing. Gog and Magog is a discussion that there is going to be a gathering once again of the, you know, the armies of war that are going to come together for a major battle, even at the end of the millennium reign, at the millennial reign. Now, to the preterist, uh, this the millennial reign has already happened, and now we're you know this is so this is all timely, right? Because the preterist will say all of Revelation already occurred. Mm -hmm. You know that's their that's their doctrine. Yeah, many people that I've seen people do that. Yeah, yeah, and I disagree with that because you know <laughs> when did he step on the Mount of Olives? You know, and divide the Mount of Olives. When did that happen? I mean, there's right, lots exactly. of prophecies that have just not been realized, but. That the preterists want to claim, oh yeah, that all took place during the time of Nero, and that you know, on and on and on, right? You know, I know you've heard these, mm -hmm. and so, so this this Gog and Magog war would be consistent with the preterist formula that yeah, it could possibly happen now, um, but I do think this is a, a this is a discussion that basically because when you get into Revelation twenty, it's talking about okay, well look. Satan is going to be re-released on the earth, right? He's going to be captured for a thousand years. Then he's going to be re-released and he's going to go out and make trouble again. Mm -hmm. And the trouble he's going to make again is going to cause everybody to come from the four corners of the world, Gog and Magog, mm -hmm. if you will, and have another world war, right? right? And in, in innumerable multitude, right? As the sand of the sea is going to be involved in that war. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know that we're going to see a sand of the sea kind of multitude in this war. I don't know. I mean, I can tell you that the Chinese general who threatened the war against the United States said, we have the wall of China, which is 1.2 billion people. I mean, China right now has 200 million men. If you recall, that's the number that appears in John's vision. I saw them, 200 million men uh, in this army. Well, that's the size of Chinese, China's army right now is 200 million men. The U.S., we have a million men, 1.3 but they're deployed all over the world. And that includes reserves, right? And Russia doesn't have a much bigger army. It's about 1.2, something in that range. Mm -hmm. Europe is much, much smaller than that. But, uh, but China, 200 million men. And so, you know, so yeah, I, I'm well aware of this prophecy. And I've had a lot of people who say, well, you can't dare talk about Gog and Magog because it only appears, uh, it's, it's a latter time after the millennial reign prophecy. And, but we know that so much of the prophecy that takes place in Revelation is what they call biphytic. You also see it in David, in Daniel too. You see biphytic prophecy. You see a prophecy that's realized at a micro level, 
And it's also realized later at a macro level. And I mean, and I can show you many of these prophecies that have uh, one prophecy has a sweep of over uh, 2000 years. And it can also be reduced to just seven years. And it can be also reduced to seven weeks, right? And so we have, so these prophecies trying to understand a day, week schedule, this kind of thing of how it goes on Yah's calendar is not as simple as we might put it. Now, I do believe that we, I do believe that after the Revelation 12 sign that we did have a war in heaven. And I do believe that Satan is on the earth making war with us right now. I mean, I do believe that. And, uh, you know, this business of you're going to, you're going to function like a microchip or, or you're going to be transhumanized with a chip in your brain, or you will not survive. Mm-hmm. That's not coming from Yah or anybody who believes in Yah. Right. That's right. coming from an AI driven agenda Thank to you. accommodate the beast, right? Mm-hmm. To accommodate the beast, thou shalt be transhuman. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I will not be supporting anyone who is warring on behalf of the beast. Thank you. Yep, exactly. Okay. So what, what, what are your thoughts on Ezekiel 38 and the Psalms 83? Because well, I don't hear anybody talking about the Psalms 83 war. Yeah, the Psalm, the Psalm 83, you were talking about Psalm 82, you're talking about the Confederacy, right? Okay. And there's not only that, but Shel, if Shell Wagner was here, she would tell you too that I've written extensively about the Amos Wars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Amos Wars are very, very clear. There's a procession of war in Amos that's very, very clear when you read it. It begins with a fire in, in a, a, you know, up on Mount Carmel, which happened. And then you see this thing break out against Damascus, and then it breaks out against Gaza, and then it comes against, you know. And so it's very clear with the war, the way the war is going to progress. And the war has been progressing just along those lines. The Confederacy, I think it's Psalm 83, right? Psalm 83? Right. Yeah, the Confederacy in Psalm 83 has come has long since come together. Now, there, that Confederacy, though, is not finished because... Israel, unbeknownst to a lot of people, Israel has tried to set up a second jurisdiction in Ukraine. Okay. They have tried to recreate the Kazarian Empire in Ukraine. I mean, that's what they're in the process of doing is creating the Kazarian Empire. The people of Ukraine don't know it, but they're being just used and abused. And they're, you know, they're being treated as guinea pigs. And this was told a long time ago before Zelensky ever became president that the, the new world order intends to use them as the crux of everything in Ukraine was going to be destroyed. I've heard prophecies back in 2017 saying this was going to happen. And now they know they found bio labs in Ukraine that were developing viruses that were specific to Slavic people. And they were using Ukrainians as guinea pigs so they could test out the DNA to see, will this work against Slavic people? So we can kill everybody here and everybody in Czechoslovakia and everybody in Russia and everybody in Poland. With this virus right and uh so uh you know all, but in the meantime you have people don't know this but tel aviv is very much a center of corruption it is the organ trafficking center of the world it's one of the top sex, sex trafficking cities in the world and of course they're engaged in blood diamonds if you go back and you read donald trump's uh, executive order of 2018, December 21st, 2018, he names the Israeli citizens who were part and parcel of a genocide going on in South Africa, not in the Republic of South Africa, but in Southern Africa, where the diamonds are being mined. There's been over 9 million people killed on behalf of those blood diamonds in the last 25 years. 
And most of that stuff, most of those diamonds are coming in through Israel. And so you see, you know, you see this diamond harvesting, you see human trafficking, sex trafficking, and organ trafficking. And the money is all being laundered through Ukraine. It's all being laundered through Ukraine. And so they were attempting to establish, to reestablish the Kazarian Empire in Ukraine when this thing has fallen apart. And Zelensky is not shy about telling you, telling people, you know, let's start World War III because our, our plan is failing. You know, my, my, my army got wiped out. Would you guys come in and carpet bomb for me? You know, well, that's going to cause us to get strict with nuclear weapons. Don't care about that one iota. I don't live there. I live here. So uh, anyway, this is this is the kind of thing that we're seeing. You know, I mean, I don't want to. I really would rather. I really would rather not discuss this stuff because of what I know about it and how creepy it is. Because um, it's, it's really bad. But uh, ultimately, Yah sees all of it, right? Yira Yahweh, Yah sees all of it. Okay. Hey, Brian, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Thank you very much. Thank you for answering the question. Yeah. Shalom to all. Okay. Shalom. Thanks, Brian. Okay, John, what's going on? What's going on in North Dakota? Shelly's got a couple of questions for you. <laughs> I'm in South Dakota. I'm down where it's warm. I mean, excuse me, South Dakota. Yeah, you're down, you're down there on the beaches of South Dakota. Yeah, right? yeah. It's yeah, it's beachfront property today, I'll tell you. Um, well. It kind of tails in a little bit on on uh, what Chris was talking about there. I'm still trying to figure this this stuff out um, with the with the the ten horns and the and the seven heads and and that stuff um, that we talked briefly about last week. But I find it very interesting that this this uh, it says in verse three of chapter seventeen. So he carried me away in the ruach into the wilderness. Yeah. And I saw a woman sit on a scarlet-covered beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So, it, to me, first of all, I guess this idea that he's carried away in the wilderness. And we see in Revelation 12, the woman also goes to the wilderness. So why is John taken to the wilderness to see this, this beast, I guess, or this woman riding the beast? And, and this beast then is scarlet-colored. Um, is, this, is this beast covered in blood? Is this is this all from the death that we're about to see? Yeah, good questions. You know, when we talk about the wilderness, remember that the, the book that we call Numbers in the mm. Hebrew is in the wilderness, right? Mm. So, uh, so uh, the, the the Hebrew name is Bamidbar, Bamidbar. Mm -hmm. So, Ba meaning the prefix in, and then Mem meaning from, and then Davar. So Devar means the word. So the word for wilderness is in from the word, in from the word. And mm -hmm. so the wilderness is a place where uh, the word is not present. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so this is why we, when he goes to the wilderness and he sees the beast, he's, he's in a place where the word is not present or the word is completely ignored. Oh, wow. The beast that's there, I mean, you know, I mean, when you look at it, you know, the seven heads are seven mountains, right? It gets told to us in Revelation right. 16. Yeah, that, that, and that's, that's, yeah, in verse 9 of, of chapter 17, which is also interesting because, uh, you know, uh, that's why a lot of people always construed this with Rome, right? 
Um, yeah, yeah. There, many people have construed with Rome, although there's seven hills in Constantinople, there's seven hills in Jerusalem, you know. There aren't but, seven but hills in Washington, D.C. That's all. There's small. also seven continents, right? We have seven there's continents. There's seven continents, too. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Encompass right? the whole world, right? And isn't that what we're seeing now is the whole world is being gathered in? Daniel says it's all brought in and trampled down, right? It's yeah. This is a worldwide thing. And so... I guess that's this this idea, and then and then of course we have in verse six down here of chapter seventeen, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the Kodeshim and with the blood of the martyrs of Yahusha. Yeah. Now the key there is, yeah, the key there is drunken with the blood, Mm -hmm. right? So you have somebody who is rejoicing in the blood, right? They're getting intoxicated over the blood that's being spilled, right? So is this the same blood then that's covering this beast? And this well, maybe it's is, blood that's covering the beast. Maybe that maybe the beast is holding itself out as scarlet, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that, I mean, there's several circles that are dressed in scarlet, most mm-hmm. notably being the Roman Curia, right? Mm-hmm. Who show up in scarlet all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, that may not, that may not necessarily be blood because when you look at later on, when, uh, you know, when the lion of the tribe of Judah comes back on horseback, it specifies that his robe is covered in blood. It doesn't say mm-hmm. red. It's covered in right. blood. It's specific. So I think the horse is, I think the horse is just, I think, excuse me, I think the beast is red because it's red. Mm-hmm. And when you see, you know, and I'll tell you, I mean, when we talk about the red horse, right? Remember that the name of the army in Russia is what? Anybody remember? No. It's called the Red Army. Oh. Mm-hmm. In Russia, it's Krasnia Armia, Krasnia Armia, Red Army, as is the Chinese Army, also called the Red Army. So you have, you know, you have two these two massive armies called Red Armies, the Red Horse, which are riding now. They're riding. They're, I mean, it's right. It's, they're riding. And the mm-hmm. next one, of course, is the famine that will come in with the Black Horse. Right. And that's coming very, very quickly too. Yeah, and we're watching. Gone. Yeah. Edom. Edom. Yeah, Edom. Yeah. Red. Yeah. Red. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so and, that, and so this is another now, now Raina just brought up an extremely important point too. Edom, right? Esau is Edom. Mm-hmm. Right? The yeah. red. Okay, I'm right. gonna leave it at that. I'm not I'm not gonna get too much farther into it, John, because I, I just right. no. And that's fine. And so uh, Revelation 13, 1, of course, we see this beast rise up out of the sea, has been seven heads and ten horns. Uh, so isn't that, is that beast rising up out of the sea of humanity? Or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beast rising up out of the sea of humanity. I mean, I think that's the best mm-hmm. way to understand it. But where did, where did, um, you know, uh, quantum computing come from? Mm-hmm. Came from humanity, right? right? We've created right. it. I mean, you know, I mean, look, if you, if you look out, I mean, let's just look at the forest for the trees for a minute. Okay. When we look at the forest, what do we see? I mean, you go back to 1980, there wasn't a one of us that had a cell phone. There wasn't mm-hmm. one of us that had a laptop. There wasn't one of us that was in smart technology. There was no Google. There was no Alexa. There was no Siri. There was, you know, none of this stuff. It didn't exist. None of it. Right. There wasn't right. even a CD-ROM in 1980. Right. Now look where we are. Mm-hmm. You walk down the street and everybody's holding their smartphone, right? Everybody, they might as well just have it grafted into their skin, right? So 
What right. has happened? What did mankind create? Mankind has created a paradigm that is unlike any other time in history. Although there are some Egyptian artifacts showing people holding cell phones, believe it or not. Right, but, right. But, but you know, we're, we've got something going on here for the first time in history, at least in the last 3,500 years that's never been seen before. We've got this digital paradigm. Where did this digital paradigm come from? It rose out of the sea. It rose mm -hmm. out of the sea. And it is a controlling beast now. And right. as one guy put it, you know, when you, when you look at the, the mark, the number, and the name, it all appears in what's in this snake bite, right? It's mm -hmm. all there. And so, so here we are, we've got, we have these things that are kind of, you know, on top of us now. And so, uh, you know, this beast that comes out of the sea, I do believe the beast, I didn't believe it before, but I do believe now that, that the beast is in fact this AIG because it has no uh, caring for humanity at all. Right. It doesn't care. Well, it, it has not one empathetic aspect to it at all. Right. But there are two beasts in Revelation 13. You know, you have the first beast comes out of the sea. And then I saw another one coming up out of the earth, which right. has two heads, right? Or two horns and looks like a lamb. But he looks like a lamb, but sounds like the dragon. See? Yeah. And that's yeah, guess who that is. <laughs> and he makes the whole world, whole world worship the first beast and take exactly. the image, right? Yep. Yeah, we know yep. who that is. I think I know who that is. But anyway, I mean, here it is. We're going to see it. But like I say, we haven't seen this man of lawlessness rise up. He hasn't been revealed yet. Now, it hasn't been there's revealed. some question in Britain. They think that it might be Charles who's going to be revealed. And I'm just not a believer in that. I just don't believe that. I, you know, knowing Charles for who Charles is, I don't think he has the capacity uh, uh, uh to to be this antichrist that leads the world i just don't think he's, he doesn't have the charisma he doesn't have the skill set he's just not there there is a man of lawlessness that's been working in the back scenes controlling all of this however mm -hmm. and he is <laughs> he's about to be revealed he's going to be yes. revealed, and yes. he's going to you know and when he gets revealed you know i don't believe he's going to be revealed in a military uniform i believe he's going to be revealed as pharaoh Mm -hmm. okay. And I think I know who you're talking about. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think when he comes on the scene, he claims ownership to all those who had the snake bite. Yep. Because that's, yep. that's just my view. But all right. I, I, I've took up enough it, of your time. Uh, but John, one other thing. Hold on. Chris, hold on. Uh, Somebody, somebody's got something for you here, John. Somebody's got a question for you. Go hey, ahead. John. <laughs> you, yes, know, you, know what I, you know what I was thinking? You know what I was thinking about, about this uh, Gog and Magog thing? Um, it says the prince of um, the princes of Tubal, or was it the prince of Tubal? The chief prince of Tubal and Meshach. Yeah. And then, and then, the, then the relation between that and Daniel's prayer, where the prince of Persia was over Persia, and then you're thinking, okay, well, maybe this is spiritual who control earthly. And that's why it comes back after the thousand years, because uh, the demons are released out of the pit, and then they are there causing trouble again on the earth and dividing the people. And, you know, so, mm -hmm. so that, that, that was my premise on, um, Doc, I wrote you this week that, uh, email is, okay, well, don't you think it's these, this is what's happening. And it's, it's because our, our fight is not against vision, but, but against powers and principalities and wicked. Uh, yeah. darkness and yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Okay. We can't, oh, go ahead. You, we can't leave out this angelic force 
that's behind yeah. so much of this, right? You have the principality that that's over different areas. You know, we have the, the angel Michael there in Daniel that talks. He's over that restraints. Over that's restraining. Right? That is restraining. Exactly. And I think, I think the restrainer is not the Holy Spirit, as we were taught for years and years and years. But it is uh, like an angelic being or something. He restrains until he is taken out of the way. If the Ruach is gone, then then who, who's going to be a believer on earth? Okay, now let me throw something else into this mix, guys. When we look at the name Magog, I pointed out to you before that that's probably a prefix, meaning mm-hmm. from Gog. Why would Yafet name him that way? Because if he believed that that child had a demon spirit, mm-hmm. if he believed that child had a demon spirit, well, this kid is not from Yah. This kid is from Gog, Right. Which if, and, and we talked about when we look at the Hebrew on it, you know, you have, uh, you know, camel, nail, camel. So it really is this idea of Mashiach being trapped between two camels, right? Mm-hmm. And so this, this very much could be what you're talking about here, Chris. We could be talking about a spiritual being, the Prince of Persia. And, you, and I told you guys before, I think I've told this group before, my testimony of when I was in Prague and almost died. And I met this, I met this absolutely wicked and huge demon that told me to my face, I was the one who oversaw Auschwitz. I was the one that was there when Jan Hust was burned in this funeral fire, right? And I met this guy at one o'clock in the morning, you know, I thought I was going to die that night, but there he was like, what are you doing here? You know, but there is a dark prince like that who governs over Persia that Michael has been withstanding. Mm-hmm. That's very possible that we're talking about Gog. We are, ta- in fact, talking about a dark prince, a dark demon that has been held back for all this time. And so this is what you see all these negotiations with Israel saying, we must stop Iran, must stop Iran, must stop Iran, because maybe Israel knows that that dark prince is, in fact, there. Mm-hmm. And so now the question is, has Michael stepped out of the way? Has he, is he done restraining? Mm-hmm. Dr. Wow. Pigeon? Yes. Um, I know I had brought this up before. It's called the Book of Bees. And in chapter 54, it talks about the, the red snake of Iran, where the door of the north is. And behind the door of the north, it holds the spirits of Gog and Magog and cannibals. And it has a bunch of other names that I, I can't pronounce right. But it, it, it lines up with what's going on now. And if this is a spiritual one, this is what I had written to you before about that. If that door of the North is open and it says, if you, I can send you uh, the book of bees where it says chapter four, where that door of the North, when it, it's open, it will, it will release them upon the earth. And then they will meet in the plain of Joppa, J O P P A. And then Yah will destroy them. But isn't, I was thinking that they were spirits. And once they are released, it's almost like the bottomless pit. And they'll enter into the host, which could be everyone that took the snake bite and those that have been given over to a great delusion. Okay, well, Rob is seconding your opinion here. And, and I'll tell you, you know, there is a, uh, you know, in Russia, the, the Russian people are very superstitious. And there is a movie that came out about, I don't know how many years ago, but it was about these, this Russian military troop had heard about problems in Siberia. And so they go out there and if somebody was mining and they got eaten or something, anyway, they go out there and they find these monsters coming out of this pit that are just like, you know, demonic to beat the band. 
And so they start fighting them, not knowing that every time they kill one of them, they replicate into three or four. Anyway, they eventually, they tap the whole, the whole hive, if you will. And when they tap the hive, here comes millions of them out of this, out of this hole in the ground. And these things are, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, creepy monsters, you know, kind of, but they're, you know, about human size, but they could, well, millions of them come out of the hole in the ground. And these guys say, okay, well, look, we have to fight to the death right here. And then they're calling in Russian bombers to come in and nuke the place, right? And there is a story, you know, in, in, uh, in Eastern Siberia, there was a blast that took place in 1921 that leveled millions of acres back there. And a lot of people think it's a meteor or something else, but they're not quite sure what it was. But anyway, this is the superstitious story. However, when you talk about beasts coming out of the pit, this is predicted in, in Revelation, right? That these beasts will come out of the pit. These locusts will come out of the pit. Now, what if these are, in fact, and I think this, this business about Iran being the door to the, to the king of the north, very likely. I mean, if you look at it geographically, that's where it is. And so here is Iran. And now Iran is on the precipice of making war with Israel, very close. And here, and if they are closely aligned with, with, um, with Russia. But if what it is that opens, that causes Michael to no longer restrain this Prince of Persia, if what that is, is Turkey, if Turkey is the one that makes the decision and that opens the door to the north, yeah, it could be a spiritual situation. I do believe that they, there's certainly, I think the New World Order believes that by injecting people with an mRNA, that your DNA is changed to a point that you could accept a host. You could accept a spiritual host into your body. And by doing so, we're going to we could see something really quite interesting. So anyway, I can't I can't speak to the book. I haven't read this book of bees, um, you know. And I want to be careful about any extra scriptural books that we read. Again, you have to read with discernment. You know, it's like when you when you read the Epistle of Barnabas. You know, everything's good until he talks about the eight day calendar. When you read the when you read the Gospel of Thomas, everything's good until he says only men make it to heaven or women who somehow become men. I mean, it kind of, you know, destroys the text. But when you read the, you know, the Essene humane gospel, it's going along fine until it says that, that uh, you know, the Messiah was not divine in any respect. He was just born and then died. That was the end of it. And by the way, everybody has to be vegetarian. I mean, you have to, you got to be, have to be able to read these texts with some discernment and say, so this is something that is, there, there's no second witness for this stuff. Why are we, we, you can't accept it? And it's the same thing with this book of the bees. It could be illuminating something. It could be telling us something, but I need to see the credibility of it. I need to check its sources and so on and so forth before I can say right. that that's just positive. Okay. I'll see you and I'll tell you where to go so you don't have to go look through it. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to Rob Barabinov. Rob, how are you, brother? Shabbat Shalom. It must be 30 degrees there. You're in a t-shirt. Uh, it's it's uh, relatively nice, yes. <laughs> we, we did get um, almost uh, 12 inches of snow the other, the other day. So uh, preparing, uh, preparing for Shabbat was um, an hour and a half of snow blowing. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's, uh, the weather's been nice, but the, the snow came and we just get bombarded. But um, interesting discussion. 
Uh, our brother Chris has so many questions. It's uh, uh, I can sit and listen and let's listen for answers. And uh, um, it's, it's wonderful. I love the prayer group. Uh, a couple, just a couple little points here. I won't be too long, but uh, Revelation 3, 7, uh, just, just, just a, 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 a rever- uh, uh, just to bring this up, uh, and the angel of the called out assembly of Philadelphia, right? These things says he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. For if you have little strength, for if you have little strength, have and have guarded my word and have not denied my name. I believe that's a reference that the key of David is the name of Yahuwah. Boom. Boom. I don't know. Yeah. Boom. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, that is powerful for you because of the key of David, right? The key of David, and it's an open door for you have little strength and have guarded my word and have not denied my name, which is the key that opens the door of David. You know, when we, when we, when we see this, I'll tell you, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff about the name when, you know, we started publishing the Sefer, you know, I really didn't. It was like, okay, we're publishing this. This is what we found. Let's go with it. You know? And so we, we did. And then we, you know, I started looking into it. And of course people are like, we're going to burn you at the stake, Steve. And, you know, I told, I told the group the other day, you know, I knew when we started publishing the Sefer that, you know, Wycliffe's bones had been scattered all over the place when he was denounced, you know, that Tyndale had been burned at the stake, that Jan Hus had been burned in a bonfire. I mean, I knew this stuff. I knew that, you know, count the cost, right? I knew this stuff. But the thing is, when you talk about the name and the name being the key, you know, you look at the first passage in the Song of Solomon, right? He calls the name the oil in the lamp of the virgins, right? The ointment in the lamp of the virgins. That's his name. His name is the ointment in the lamp of the virgins. And, you know, so yeah, you had Tunguska Blast 1908. Thanks for putting that in, Daniel. So what you see is is that here, you know, you have all of this stuff about the name. Your name is a strong fortress, a a high and mighty tower. Your name, your name is exalted. We lift up your name. Moses says, I'm going to publish your name. David says, I declare your name. Mashiach says, I have declared your name unto them and will declare it that the love of you that is in me might be in them. Right. That's in John 17, verse 18, right? 23, verse 23. So here you see that we have this idea that the name being the key of David, the key of David that is going to unlock the door for those of us who aspire to be in the church of Philadelphia. And although we may have little strength, right? We may have little strength by the time we get to the end of this thing, you know, what does the scripture say? He's going to wear out the saints. He's going to wear out the saints. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but every day there's somebody coming on TV. You guys are nut bars. You guys need to be in a concentration camp. You guys need to shut up. We need to block them. They can't speak. They can't talk. They can't do this. We can't, you know, shut them off, cut them out, you know, destroy them, blah, blah, every day. Now, I got a new idea for how to get rid of them. Let's cut off their retirement. I got a new idea. Let's deny them health care. I, I got a new idea. If they, if they come into the hospital, you know, Howard Stern, give them no medical assistance whatsoever. They're just deserving of dying, right? And every day goes on. Somebody else has got some new way to punish us for our faith. And why? Because they're wearing out the saints. You know, pound, pound, pound. 
you know, cancel, you cancel yeah. culture. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually canceling when you actually do that to somebody, uh, Lynn and I were discussing uh, yesterday what the difference between killing and the difference between murder was. Um, murder is when you not only remove somebody's life, but you actually defile them. You take their character apart. You destroy them in that way. And that's exactly what they're doing in, in, on, on social media is actually murdering somebody where they can't even make a, everything's been moved on online where they can't even make a living for their family anymore because they have been murdered in every which way. You know, we have the walking dead because they have been murdered. You know, they're, they're not, there's no life left. There's no ability. There's no place for them to make money. And now with the digital ID being uh, secretly brought in in every state in the United States, same with in the provinces in Canada, we can see everything uh, has been set up right now. Um, that, that being spoken, uh, I just I want to get this in real quick here. Um, the, the word that I, I got this last week was, uh, uh, was a Jasher uh, four and five. And I'll just do a quick summary of that, uh, what you were speaking of, 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 of people that called upon the name of Yahuwah and they are being taken by Yah. And what's happened, it's uh, in five, verse uh, 21, all the sons of men who knew Yahuwah died in that year before Yahuwah brought evil upon them. For Yahuwah willed them to die so as not to behold the evil that Elohim would bring upon the brothers and relatives as he had so declared to do so. And this is the days, uh, as in the days of um, Noah. That's what's happening now. And we can look forward to, you know, when these brothers and sisters pass on, there'll be a few of us that straggle on, um, but many are going to be taken from this evil. And we have to prepare our hearts for that uh, because we'll have loved ones that love Yah, and such as our brothers and sisters that pass on and are now are taken. And it's not a bad thing. As, as you were you were playing you're you're speaking earlier about the about the children being taken because I mean I have grand we all a lot of us have grandchildren grandchildren uh, and it's a very sensitive area uh, and um, we, we, we you know we I mean these innocent little children um, we pray the Yah would take them in some way shape or form out of this evil because we foresee this evil coming before us uh, it, it's a very um, soul-searching time and praise Yah for his name and Yahusha HaMashiach uh, that we can get through this and we can have this revelation um, so we can endure to the end. Um, uh, it's not just a saying. It's a real thing that each and every one of us are experiencing in every thought, taking our thoughts captive um, of the evil that is going on, the revelation and understanding that Hasatan is, is an office but Hasatan, I do believe, is the original evil Ruachoth. He's the original evil. That's who he is. We're, we're, we're pointing at a person or an individual. He's the original Ruach, the evil Ruach. That, that's why he's able to make it through the thousand millennia reign, you know, paused obviously for a bit, and then released to finish up the last remnants of whatever is needs to be removed. Um the, the other revelation that I received, and I recommended the brothers and sisters to read Jasher 4 and 5. Uh, read it in the next few days if you can. Uh, it, it will help you to understand uh, what's going, what this, what we just spoke about here. Um, the other revelation uh, that has really uh, been heavy on me, and I, I, Chris was speaking about the heaviness. What's happening now, and this is, I haven't heard anybody speak of this. Uh, the revelation of the fact of these 
people, more than half the world has taken this jab. The revelation of what they have done is going to be made manifest and it's going to be shown on mainstream media. It's going to be shown all over. And the revelation of this is going to bring the world to its knees, not the wars, not all this stuff, all that stuff's going on and it's bad and people are getting killed and horrible things are happening, no doubt. But this revelation is going to have people in a horrible situation where they, what, what have I done? What did you do to me? What did you make me take? This revelation is going to flip this world upside down. That's what is going to happen next. And I haven't heard, this is from Yah. Everybody's looking for wars and kinetic things and physical stuff, but Yah works in the spiritual realm. He's going to flip this thing upside down. And even the mainstream media is going to be teaching and showing you what all the actual ramifications and that the CDC and that Pfizer and Moderna, and they all knew what they were doing. Now, people such as my mother and my father, their hearts are going to fail them for that understanding. Yeah, men's hearts will fail for, from them for what's coming on the earth. Yeah. yeah, you know, Robin, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, I know, and I, I know Chris has had a heavy heart. I've had a real heavy heart this week. You know, I feel like, you know, you know, years of fighting and it's all just gone to naught, you know, uh, you know, all, all the ministry that we do, like, what, what's, the, you know, where, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Right. And yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is, I think you're right about that. And I think the, um, uh, you know, there have been some com commentators who have said, yeah, people are going to lose it and they're going to, you know, some people are going to go violent and everything else. But, you know, the extremes that are going to happen in the world are going to be extreme in every possible level. And for us, for us, you know, we, need to, we need to pray for our loved ones. But for us, we need to be a light in the darkness. I mean, that's just the way it is. We have to be a light in the darkness. We have to be able to come to the brothers and sisters and say, I'm not out of gas. I realize that you guys have run the race and you feel like you're out of gas, but I'm not out of gas because the Ruach has restored me again. He's put new breath in me today. He's given me new energy to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. It's like I was doing when you're trudging through the snow. You know, when you walk 15 feet, you're going, I'm not going to make it. And you realize you got a 20 mile walk. You know, you've got to, you've got to bear down and endure. And this is what we have to do. We have to endure. And we endure what? By the power of his name. That's how we endure. We endure by the power of his name. Amen. Because we are Amen. imbued with the power of his name. We are called the children of his name. We are called by his name. And because Amen. we are called by his name, we have that supernatural power within us. Not power to do feats on earth, but the power to endure. And the power to speak and the and this is what you're talking about rob light is going to shine on the darkness that which is done in the dark is going to be seen in the broad daylight and when it's seen in the broad light, you think about how many people are going to come to you in absolute desperation what do i do and if we don't have an answer like let us pray because you may lose your physical life, but you don't have to lose your soul. Fear not him who can kill you. Fear him who can take your physical life and your spirit. Fear him. And we should be, we should be ready to pray for, you know, I, I'll, I gotta, I'll tell you just one story. My wife and I were in San Francisco for a business meeting. And we're walking along the street just north of Union Square. 
this was, I don't know, more than a decade ago. We're walking along the street in, in Union Square and I look down and here is a guy laying in the gutter. I'm not talking about on the sidewalk or any of that. He was laying face down in the gutter. He was brown filthy, like, you know, the same color as the gutter. He was brown filthy. And he's laying there face down, still living. And he had a cardboard sign over his set, over his head. And it said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I have AIDS. And he's laying there in the curb dying, right? Now, I didn't say anything to him because I wasn't strong enough at the time. But I should have said to him, look, your body is dying. But as for your being sorry, you can be forgiven. Would you like to pray? And for, for so many of us, we have to be able to come to our neighbor with shalom. And we have to be able to come to our neighbor with the, with the information concerning salvation. Do not fear. Do not fear. You have so much baggage on your back with all your material world and all your material expectation, all this stuff you're carrying around. You've got all this stuff loaded up to the sky on your back. Drop it and consider one thing and one thing only, the blood of the lamb, which is before you. Opening the doors of heaven and saying, come in, my child. Come in. I'm knocking. Come in. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray. Amen. Dr. Peter, Rob, so is this the revelation that will open up the, the harvest fields? Is that what this really is? Is, is this is the door that opens the harvest fields for the revelation? Exactly what you just described here, Dr. P, are you not talking about working the harvest field? Oh, I think so. I think this is absolutely the harvest because there's going to be a group of people that when you talk to them, they're going to be shaking their fist at Yah. No matter what comes on the earth, they're going to be shaking their fist at him. But the ones who are not shaking their fist are going to come to you brokenhearted, in tears, unable to cope on the last minutes of their life, that's where you're going to be meeting them. That's where you're going to be meeting them. And what are we going to say to them? Well, you should have listened to me. You know, I told you so. You should have listened to me six years ago when I warned you, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> that's not what we're going to say. That's not what we're going to say. We're there's, going to be a, there's going to be a large amount of people that are going to be offended. And they will shake their fists at you. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to be a very large amount. I agree. But the rest, yeah, Dale, you're right. The rest is the harvest field. And the rest is the workers are few. And we need to be those who tend to that harvest. Absolutely. Okay. We need to, okay. we need to prepare, prepare ourselves to um, um, bring forth that light that is Yahuwah. You know? Amen. We have to be that light in the window. We have to be that light in the darkness. We have to be that. And we have to be, uh, you know, and it's not a light of condemnation. It's not a light of, you know, gee, you're a sinner. You need to repent. Get over there and get baptized. It is, a, it is the sob of healing. It is the mercy of Yahweh. You know, when we, when, you know, when you, you need to have it on your lips. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Let that be on your lips when they come to you and talk to you. 
and you can, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, there's been times and I've, I've dealt with many people like this in my life when I was doing mission work and I'd lay my hands on them. And when I'd lay my hands on them, their whole life of sin and tragedy and everything else would just come flooding into my head. And I would I'd put my hands on it just like, okay, all right. Well, you've gone through this, you've gone through that, you've gone through this, but guess what? Guess what? We are here praying for you now and your name is known in heaven. Your name is written on his hand. Dr. P. You think you have fallen so far from grace. You have fallen, O sinner. You have committed all of these things for which there is no forgiveness. You're wrong. There is forgiveness. Your name is written on his hand. You are part of his family. If you say, I accept, I want to be there. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. You know, and if you want to be there, he's calling you. Forget about your stuff. Forget about the baggage you're carrying around. Forget about what the, what the pastor told you, what the priest told you, what the rabbi told you. Forget about all that. Lift up your name now and lift his name up in your heart and let it be so. Amen. Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And he says, what does he say, Dr. P? He says, my house is a house of prayer. Amen. And I think about Jeremiah crying. Those are his tears. And I want to encourage my brother, Chris, to say that we're, we're, uh, we're chosen to bring down the strongholds. And he wanted more people to be able to do that. And how gifted you are to be able to enter in the chambers and intercede and pull down those strongholds and praise him for his children and all, you know, that's, I just wanted to bring that forward. And I wanted to tell you that I was really frustrated with the government and the nations. I have a missionary heart and all of the churches sending out missionaries and doing all this stuff and then hooking up with the government. And I saw an incredible documentary. It's called the minds of men. And Eisenhower warned about the military complex. And you should see what they were doing in the 40s and the 50s. And it's just horrific. And there's even uh, a young girl in Jessica Arnica's, or Jessica, I can't think of her name. She did this um, thing on research on polio. And it went before the courts in Europe and it showed what a lie that vaccine was. And it even brought out the lie of 1921 tied to radiation administered right. in the courts. Right. And right. so we're to know stuff before it happens. So yeah. we should be crying like, yeah, of the deceit and the deception of religion and traditions of men. And I want to thank you, Dr. P, for having this gathering and having deep roots and deep soil and continuing the battle. Well, maybe Dr. come P. out of this with the strength to go on another week. And week by week, we go on until we can't go on. So let, us, P. let us be strengthened. And in we the can word be ministers for the Lord in prayer. Yeah, amen. We'll do. Okay. Somebody else said something. 
Yeah, yeah, here, Reina. The issue is that there were men sent out in the wrong name, promoting Edom, not promoting Yahusha. You know, I'll tell you. And it's so true. And I'll tell you, the more I think about it, it's, it's really, I mean, that when that came to me, Reina, it was totally depressing because I could, I could not believe the falsehood that has been brought on mankind for all of these years. And, you know, so now the time has come where things have changed. And so we let them go that way. Now, I want to, now there was, Arnie was here and he was going to ask a question. I hope we didn't lose Arnie. Arnie, if you're here, if you could come back and put your hand up so I can see you, I'd appreciate it. If you're still here, Arnie, that'd be great. Okay, let's, thanks, Rob, for your words, brother. Thank you. Okay, Catherine, how are you, sister? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I had the big chop. Got the pearls ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I wanted to bring to your attention, um, Ross, and getting back to the stars. And um, sure, I've hit a blank. You're talking about it. Yeah, you okay? You were you, you were talking to Ross. You're talking about Ross Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stonehenge. Got it. Got it. Got it. I went blank for a second there. I'm very tired. Um, now we've discovered Stonehenge originally came from Wales. Right. So automatically, automatically, my thinking is <coughs> what people would have brought that knowledge of the stars from the Middle East, Israel, could it have possibly have been Jeremiah and Barak? Could it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, it's a question. We don't know the real, the because, real dating on Stonehenge. You know, it's very difficult to date rocks, right? It, it is. is a rock. How old is it? Yeah, well, that doesn't tell us how long ago it was placed, right? But, but, and we know he, that Stonehenge he, was moved too, right? Yeah. So it was moved from Wales, and then you've got Barak's grave in Wales. Surely. And also another thing is they brought the stone of scone, which we know Jeremiah did with Barak. But the Ark of the Covenants always had to follow the princesses. Now, he brought the surviving members of David's lineage to Ireland. Then the princess went to Scotland. The other one was left in Egypt. But it always had to follow the line of David. So when in the Bible it says the angels buried it, Jeremiah and Barak would have had to have brought the original Ark of the Covenant with those princesses, surely. Yeah, well, it's a certainty that by the time you get to the end of Jeremiah, when uh, Nabuzara then, the general for Nebuchadnezzar, uh, comes and sacks the temple, there's no Ark mm. of the Covenant there. No Ark there, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we know that they, you know, they didn't go off to Babylon. So the question is, did they appear in Wales? I mean, it's one theory, right? And I know uh, Wilson and Blackett have been looking at that extensively. <clears throat> and, but, you know, Ireland shows Jeremiah's tomb and they had for, you know, a thousand years. 
And now it's believed that Baruch was buried in Wales. You know, I was at the gravesite of what I believe was Joseph of Arimathea's grave on Avalon, on the island of Avalon. Yeah. And so all of these things are kind of indicative. Now, did was Jeremiah the one that brought that knowledge to Wales concerning Stonehenge, or was it even earlier? That we don't know, but we do know that there are some. Yeah. This, it's very interesting. We read it. Hold on, just a second, Catherine. When, mm-hmm. when we read in Jasher, in Jasher ten, it describes Europe being populated very early on with the tribes of Yafet, but it does mm-hmm. not describe any peoples on the British Isles. It describes France. It describes you know Germany. It describes Austria. All of these areas of the tribes of Yafet, but nothing discussing the British Isles. Because I think mm. they were a later date in in, hab, in habitation, if you will, and there's again there's you know reason to you know agree with that too, but you know the the work that you're doing, Catherine, you know of course Ross Broadstock, you know with his Chromoglyphics, uh, is just an amazing book because it literally you know points to the Welsh language being the key to understanding Egyptian hieroglyphs, and. You know, and uh, and Alan Wilson essentially proved it in his book Moses and the Hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. And so, when you see that, we see something is going on here. Like it, we can't get it too much into it today, Catherine. But I would like to spend some time really? talking about it at some point. But when we talk mm-hmm. about um, when we talk about oh, the stone that was brought to Ireland, it's not the stone is not in Ireland; it's in Scotland now. And yeah, was, no, no, but it was originally brought. <laughs> Um, to Ireland and Scotland, the princess. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> it's reputed but, to be the Jacob's pillow, the stone that Jacob mm-hmm. anointed when he laid down in, in, in Bethel. But but the thing is, is um, I was just going to say this relationship, I firmly believe that during <clears throat> the time of Joseph, the famine was throughout the whole world. And I believe that the tribes that were living in the British Isles were part of the Egyptian empire. They ceded mm. their lands to the Egyptian Empire as well. So the Egyptian Empire, you know, when you look at the maps that you get in the history books in school, here's the Egyptian Empire. And then somebody draws an artificial dotted line around the Nile River. That was the total of the Egyptian Empire. And how you know this? You know, scripture says that everybody came to get wheat and, and transferred their lands to the kingdom. So he had all of North Africa, all the Middle East, whatever in Europe that were, where there were people. They were all coming to get grain. So... Um, you know, but anyway, we're gonna have, we'll have to talk about that on another day, okay? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, um, I was wondering if you could pray for um, Ukrainian women. Hundreds and hundreds are getting raped. Well, this is the story. Mm. And quite frankly, I mean, I'll just tell you, the ghost of Ukraine. I don't know where the propaganda is. The ghost of Ukraine fighter pilot was shoot, shot down ten aircraft. Total lie didn't happen. The 13 soldiers who supposedly gave the finger to the Russian Navy and then were killed as heroes. Total lie. There were 82 of them and they immediately gave up. And there wasn't any finger given to anybody. Uh, You know, the the, one of the stories that they put up was a video that they made off a video game. And they claimed that this was happening in Ukraine. So hearing about uh, the story about Russians bombing the largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine. Uh, that's uh, that's a falsehood too. They're trying the the, the Russians are trying to uh, and I think they have secured that power plant, so it doesn't become going to meltdown mode. The problem mm. is, is that the media that's coming out of Ukraine is almost all false. The media that's coming out of the United States is about seventy percent false. And okay. so 
you know, like I said, the best website for what's actually happening is War News 247. It's either Russian or American, Greek, and they give you a pretty objective story about what's going on. The, uh, okay. in, terms of, in terms of Ukrainian women and Ukrainian men and Ukrainian civilians, yes, we need to pray for them. We also need to pray for the Russian civilians that are in the Donbass. Exactly, nobody, both sides. Nobody covered the 100,000 plus refugees that were streaming out of Donbass into Russia two weeks before Russia mm. invaded because Ukrainians were shelling their homes and their hospitals. Nobody covered that, but that happened yeah. too. And the truth is, is that all of the people that exist in that area are being used as pawns to, you know, mm. to make bankers rich and to, you know, cause the world to shift in their direction. These are human mm. beings we're talking about, right? These are families. Mm. These are, you know, I mean, like how many people prayed for the for the kids in Syria that were being displaced? Yeah. Right? How many people prayed for all the families that had to leave Libya after we dropped the on them? How many? Mm. And the answer is, you know, not very many Americans, that's for sure, didn't pray. And so when we, when we talk about praying for innocent civilians, yeah, we have a duty to pray for innocent civilians. We have to pray for those people who are victims of war because soon it will be us. And so, yeah, so it is important. And we're, and we're, and of course, are there rapes going on? I don't know. I'm not, I, you know, I can't talk about the sex life of Russian soldiers when I'm not there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, but I, I can tell you that it's not uncommon for women to get raped during wartime. But mm -hmm. Russian troops are some of the most disciplined troops in the world, and I just don't see uh, them being given the, given the license to do that. Now, okay, the, uh, there is a very bad bloodbath going on in Mariupol, which is mm -hmm. on uh, the city just north of the Sea of Azov. And it's because the Azov Battalion, which is an open Nazi battalion, and the Alatov Battalion, again, another open Nazi battalion, are mm. at war with Russia. And Russia is not going to let them escape. That's going to mm. be a fight unto the death. When this war mm. is over, it's possible that there may be able to be some kind of settlement discussion. But the settlement discussion mm. is not going to, you know, Russia is not going to allow nuclear weapons in Ukraine. So mm. that is, you know, if, the, if we can take that option off the table, then the mm. war could come to an end. But America can stop it in a day because all they have to do is turn around their nuclear weapons from from the right. um, just pull them out, pull them out. So we're not going to put we're not going to put them in Ukraine. And we're not going to make Ukraine a NATO member. Boom, mm. war's over. Russia would go just, home. Exactly. If they turn down all those nukes all down the eastern side of Europe. Yeah, well, I, I don't see down. it happening. We have, we have, you know, we have. I know. Instead of this, we have escalation. Where are the peacemakers? Mm. Right, they can't mm. be found. So we will pray for that, though, Catherine. We will. And you know, yes, the, thank you. You know if the Ukrainian people look. I love the Ukrainian people. Um, mm. You know, well, I've done many, many asylum applications for Ukrainian refugees, mm. and uh, you know, so. Uh, but I also love the Russian people. And yeah, the so do people, I. And the Georgian people. I've done it. And the, Turks, to, to, and the Greeks. Yeah. You know, so anyway, okay. From every side. Okay. Thank, Thanks, Catherine. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'd just like to say one other thing, oh, Dr. B. Mary's got something. Go ahead, Mary. I'd like to say that we have to be reminded of Paul and that the Lord removed the scales. The Lord changed Paul's heart. 
And I think what really helped me is when I um, go to the Cypher website and one day I was really burdened and you had Joel 3, 6 on there. And it was like a challenge about how the Lord could cleanse blood. It was like yeah. almost a challenge. What do you think? I can't cleanse the blood. Yeah. And so I really want us to be careful about putting curses on people. Like they can't see or they can't be healed or all these other things. But we just turn it over to Yah because his burden is light. And we want to do his will. And yeah, that and that's is, actually, that's, I believe that's in, um, that is in Zephaniah, isn't it? In Zephaniah, not Joel, but Zephaniah. When he says, uh, you know, it's not Zephaniah. When he says, I will cleanse your blood that I have not cleansed. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a very important thing. And, you know, his mercy and, and his blessing. Yeah, Joel 3, Doc. Joel 3. Joel 3. Joel 3. Six. Joel 3. Like yeah. Challenge with the Lord saying, what do you think? I can't cleanse the blood, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's Joel 321. Yeah, 321. Yeah, I should have stayed in Joel. That way we could have wrapped this whole thing up from the beginning to end. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Cole. Because we warned about speaking curses. Yeah, blessing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speak blessing, not curses. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And also it's we also have to be careful too when people speak cursings over you, right? And quite often you hear this in newscasts where they're, you know, this is going to happen and they're cursing you in their newscast. People, you know, we're, we're predicting that everybody's going to be homeless in the city of Seattle. That's a curse, right? Okay, Yaakov. And as you think it, it is. It's very, yeah. as you think it, it is. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Okay, let's go to Yaakov. Yaakov, how are you? Yaakov, you there? There you are. Greetings, how are you? Very good, very good. I was just uh, uh, following up from last week. I'd sent you a picture and I was just trying to get an affirmation if you uh, got, a, got to see it. I have not. Okay, because I also asked Eileen to help, thinking that might help as a secondary source to get it to you. And she said you, she got it to you and she spoke to you about it. Okay, you sent it through Eileen, did you? Yeah, and she forwarded it to oh, you. Oh, yes, I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. Mm -hmm. oh. It's a little bit complex. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely. It's beyond complex, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, beyond complex. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it, too. Yeah, yeah it, was, yeah, it was a bit complicated for me. I think I understood where you were coming from. And I think the delineation that you pointed out between, I think, the dark angels and the light angels and how you laid it out, um, I mean, that's what I've taken from that, from that image that you showed. Um, and I think there may be something there, right? There may be something there. You know, scripture tells us a third of the angels fell. Two thirds did not, right? A third of the angels fell. And do we have these dark forces? Yeah, we do. And are they among us? Yes, they are. So um, this is why, um, yeah. Well, anyway, go ahead, Yakov. We can't discuss that picture because it's too complicated for discussion, and I don't have the photo here. Okay, okay. I'm just um, that photo is 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 not like that. What you're describing at all. This is like oh, okay. this is like in present time, in real time. Oh, okay. It's, it's like I was able, I was enabled to see the the physical spiritual war. We all say like we were 
not against flesh and blood. And it's 100% truth because the real war is taking place in the heavenlies and in the heavens. And I physically got to see it. And the, uh, whatever you call it, the, the uh, witnesses that I got, they're, they're beyond imaginable. I got witnessed uh, that this was, I, I didn't know what it was. And so uh, one time I got a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know, feeling like, why would the most high pick on me, just a, you know, a, a regular guy to show this magnificent actual real war in the heavenlies? And then the father himself speak to me and say, we war not against flesh and flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, you know, and, and to actually hear the father say that to me, I actually couldn't believe it myself. So I had to compel him to show himself to me to, 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 that would enable me to be able to share this with you today, because I wouldn't have never shown it and uh, shared it because it's, it's too magnificent. It's, it's too, it's too hard for everyone to comprehend because everybody's sort of stuck in books. Yahweh's not in books right now. He's out, he's in after the books were written. He's done a lot of stuff right now today. And he's, and he is physical. He's not invisible and, and immaterial like everybody thinks. He's his handiwork, uh, you know? And even when I saw him myself, I had to pray for 13 years and uh, ask him to uh, give me a witness to believe that. And so I was having a home birth, which I've home birthed all my children for 50 years. Okay. And um, uh, that's a lot of kids. It's like nine, by the way. Okay. Did, so did anyway, you say 50 years or 15 years? 50 years. Okay, all right, but they were born in less than 50 years. Uh, they were born during that time period of 50 years, about the first uh, 40. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to get an idea here. Okay, well, anyway, we were having a, a, a uh, what you call it, a home water birth. Yeah. And um, it, it was me, and I had, uh, you know, I had a, I had a uh, 23-year veteran midwife with me and her two-year intern. And I had her person from the hospital that was, uh, uh, you know, a nurse in case we needed blood, which we ended needing. Uh, but anyway, um, so when she 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 got stuck in the womb, okay, and um, we had to pull her out of the bathtub onto the floor, and it was just this incredible amount of blood, you know. And so the professional people there they couldn't handle it. So I asked him just to sit aside over there. And so I just entered into petitioning the most high for what to do. And he stopped time. So the child could not get hurt. And then he translated me from the bathroom into the Holy of Holies. And I saw the black veil and I looked through the black veil and I saw the glory of the most high coming off the edge of the uh, black veil and it was, and so I looked through there, I knew it was the most high and he, he knew I knew it was him. And I looked through the veil and I prayed and I just said, 
can you please come and take the baby out of the womb? And so he did. All of a sudden, this, this array of light came through the bathroom wall, formed a hand, went up to the child, lifted the child out of being stuck in the womb, gathered himself up and went right back through the wall and left. And, uh, and uh, so that was like the third one of, that was the third greatest testimony that I had to back up this, uh, this matter that I was brought to the top of a mountain, a volcano in the South Pacific on a remote island. And I saw the whole, I saw the whole Milky Way. Uh, I, and, and because of all your teachings, I'm going to go back and look at what the uh, uh, constellations were in that, in that sky at that time. But um, so all these things are being in this movie with many, many, many more things I've had happen like this, by the way. I've had about 40 of these encounters. Okay, all right, but now Yakov, remember what we talked about earlier today? Okay. And I'm just going to share this with you. And I do, I, I appreciate your sharing that with us now. Okay. But you have to keep in mind that what Mashiach said in the Gospels, if I testify about myself, you can't take that testimony as being true. Yeah, right? I, I've taken that to heart, no doubt. Okay, okay, all right. Because I mean, listen, I love hearing about I love hearing about these. You know, I've had other brothers talk to me about translating into the heavens and seeing the elders, and you know, and, and your tra your translation to see the holy of holies in heaven, and so forth. I mean, and I do appreciate this testimony, but uh -huh. keep but keep in mind that for us who are trying to get discernment in the world, we have to get discernment by the testimony of two or more witnesses. And oh, I have tons of witnesses. That's not a problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, you can, Tons, call them, you, you can call them to the stand next week. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll start with your witness list and then we'll go, we'll go down the, we'll go down the, the path. But, um, but, but let me ask you where are you, I know you have a point to this. Where are you going with this? Oh, I'm only going to be, I don't really care if you believe it or not. Personally. I think okay. that's why I was, I was, I think that's why I was enabled because I really don't care about other people's opinions. You're the okay. first guy or actually the second guy that I've had that's that knows enough about uh the you know botched uh, uh uh scripture okay i mean i took eight years uh 40 years ago and spent eight years with yah one-on-one -on -one myself and went through numerous words and i firstly developed the name yah 40 years ago oh okay? yeah wow yeah yeah, yeah. and so <clears throat> i have a lot of background a lot extreme by the way i am extreme that's okay for me so anyways i just i just i didn't know if this kind of group could handle this kind of thing i, I well here's the thing here's the thing yakov i mean i could tell you that when we talk about a group fellowship like this yeah. where we are here okay we you know um some of us have got have got great stories we can we can talk about and great things that have happened and supernatural events that are really truly magnificent and your vision of the heavenlies for instance in the battle of the heavenlies but but keep in mind keep in mind that you know we've been uh, in, in other fellowships i have been really badly sidetracked from people that were not hearing yah but were hearing other voices but thought it was yah and and so we have to be we just have to we have to follow scriptural protocol and so well, I, I suggest that all of you pray about it and let him speak to speak to you audibly yourselves well okay i mean that's okay, i would say but, that's but, the best thing you but, can do yeah but but hear me out Yaakov. 
because, you know, again, I want, I want to just throw this out to you. Sure. You know, I want to be, I want to kind of lay this out for, because it's a format for all of us here in this meeting mm-hmm. that we need to, we need to discuss events that the rest of us can have an idea about what's going on that we mm. can't, we can discuss about the witnesses because if it becomes a testimony that is um, exclusive to one person and we don't have the opportunity to do that, then it's very easy for the group to get misled and to misled away from what we're trying to do, which is we're trying to find out what Yah is doing for all of us, what Yah is doing on the planet, right? And so if, if you want to contribute to that, I think it's great, but I'd like to know when you, when you talk, for instance, about the, the heavenly battle, um, you know, it, it, it needs to be related to, okay, what can we do with that? What can we understand about that? You know, well, I realize, you- I, I realize that, and, and I went directly to the father to ask him about that question, just not maybe two or three years ago, and um, I fasted for three months on just green juice, and then I fasted for 40 days on water, and I asked him after that, on the day 35 when I was dying, I asked him, and I asked him, okay, what will this happen in my lifetime? And he gave me an incredible journey to show me that it would be happening in 2027. Very oh, okay. Okay. All right. Now there's a so that that's that applies to everybody because everybody's wondering if the end is here now and there and there. And we actually have a, a, a we actually have a physical thing and Yah himself, and we can all pray about it. You don't have to take my word. Okay. I'm not okay, gonna try enough. to say, okay. I'm not trying to Okay. All right, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so with that, we'll, we, we're gonna, I'm going to leave your testimony right there. Okay. At, at 2027. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, Yakov. Thank you so much. Okay. okay. Chris, you had something else you were going to wrap us up with here, brother? Yeah, Doc. doc um, uh, it actually ties up maybe to what Yakov was saying. But um, you, you, you keep on talking about the stars in your flag. And uh, Enoch 18, verse 14. And there I behold seven stars, like great blazing mountains, and like Ruachoth, entreating me. And the angel said, this place, until the consummation of heaven and earth, will be the prison of the stars and the hosts of heaven. And the stars which roll over fire are those who which transgressed the commandment of Elohim before their time arrived. For they came not in their proper season. Therefore, he uh, was he offended with them and bound them until the period of the consummation of their crimes in the secret year. Right? Talking about the Pleiades. Again, in 1814, it, it, it talks about, uh, in, sorry, in, in 21... Um, uh, 21.3, towards the end. These are those of the stars which have transgressed the commandment of El Elyon and are here bound until infinite number of the days of their crimes be completed. Afterwards, so in other words, what I'm trying to say there, uh, right at the bottom of 21, it says, this, he said, is the prison of the angels, and here they are kept forever. Now, there's another part as well, Doc, that's, and you can maybe help me with that. It's, it's a part where it says um, that 
there's a hole dug for the angels. They put in there, and there's jagged stones placed on top of them. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'll have to go search for that. I think it's but, in ten. I think it's in ten. Enoch ten. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is, there's definitely other angels besides. Um, uh, 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 um, uh, Gadriel. Besides the fallen ones, it, or besides Gabriel? No, besides Gadriel. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm thinking. This is no, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just saying that there's others that are bound up. Now, you know, when we talk about Michael, like John was talking about, if it's Michael or if it's the Ruach, it's definitely not the Ruach because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But when what is well maybe some of these are more some more of these are released and then it's complete hell on earth if you understand what i mean yeah mm -hmm. well okay, i mean so you know the, well when satan gets kicked out of heaven you know what does it say in revelation that you know his tail carries a third of the stars with him a third of the stars Correct. with him right and so how, how do we know what the, how do we know what that means i mean you know here enoch is telling us that these stars that you see, that these stars are like rule code, right? And if you read in Revelation 1, it tells you that Mashiach has seven stars in one hand and a seven menorahs in the other. And he tells you that the, these seven stars here are angels. That's what he says. These seven stars are angels, right? And where did he, where, where, where does that concept of, you know, have an origination in the ancient text? Anok. Right here. Right. Hanukkah is telling you right here, right? This place until the consummation of heaven and earth will be the prison of the stars and the host of heaven, right? And the stars which roll over fire are those which transgressed. So, you, so we have this whole idea, right? Now, here's something else, too, which I didn't know. But when you look at verse 20, you have this listing of, you know, angels of the watch, right? These angels of the watch are... Oh, hold on this for a second. The angels of the watch are Uriel, Raphael, Raguel, Mikael, Sarakiel, and Gabriel, right? Right. Well, I saw recently somebody showed me an icon in the Orthodox Church of these seven angels, right, with seraphim at the feet of Mashiach, right? So these, you know, where else do you get this name of seven angels? You don't get it in the New Testament. There's two angels named in the New Testament or in scripture in the 66 book Bible. There's two angels. There's Michael and there's Gabriel. That's it. Where did the Orthodox church get seven angels to, to put up on their icon? Where'd they get it? Right. No, Enoch. Yeah. They most surely got it from Enoch. Right. Since so this when, is talking here, I got to, I got to jump in here. Revelation 9, 14 <laughs> saying to the sixth angel, which had the shofar, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Pereth. The four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, a year, for to slay a third part of men. Boom. Yeah, now here's something about the river Parath, right? Remember that the river Parath, that's spelled with a pay, right? The Hebrew pay, which is oftentimes pronounced not pa, but fa, right? Like pH. So if it's not Perath, but Ferath, Ferath, now let's put the prefix in front of it. Eu, Euphrath, Euphrates, 
Euphrates. You see, Berath is the beginning name for what would become Euphrates in the Aramaic. Okay, brothers and sisters, that's it. We have arrived at that time where my Zoom meeting is about to go clunk. So we've got just a couple of minutes. Let's pray and we'll call it a day. Thank you guys for being here for Shabbat. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers here today uh, as we lift our petitions to you. We pray for peace in this world. We pray that your will be done, but we pray that for those who are experiencing the terrors of war, Father, that you would cover them and that you would bless them and that you would keep them and that you would, you would make miracles to be seen among them, that they would call out to you and see your face and know your name. May those who love you be found by you, Father. And may those who do not love you, but who are seeking, who are lost, may you show them the way. Father, we bless you now. Thank you for bringing our fellowship together. We ask that you keep us, protect us, and guard us that we might be able to come back under your name again next week. Thank you, Father. Amen and Shabbat Shalom, brothers. And Shabbat sisters. Shalom, everybody. Thank you, Dr. P. Shabbat Shalom. 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 Shabbat Shalom.